With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust. So contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions, visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust the night. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports. With your distinguished host, Adam... Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest. And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Now, here are the guys. All right, friends, the long-awaited edition of the Sons of UCF, episode number 195. Again, we're sponsored by Gordon and Partners for TheInjured.com. We're also part of the 1012 Podcast Network, and now the Sports Drink Podcast Network. Mike, we're all over the place. We're worldwide. We have a nice victory this week. We're going to talk about it again. My name's Adam. That guy over there is UCF Mike. My friend, welcome back for another week. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. We finally got a taste of football again. Felt good. It feels like it's been forever now since we played that game. Thursday night. Today's mm-hmm. already Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a great start to the season. Can't complain. A nice victory to start off the year. And now we really get things cranking here with the tougher part of the schedule. You can always count on the Suns to give you five-day-old reaction, and that's what we're going to do today. We'll, we'll uh, react to uh, to everything we saw, Mike. We'll do all our usual stuff, right? We have Malzahn Translator. We have some observations. We have some, uh, we have some, you know, picks. We have some prize picks. My prize picks are not good. I need to get better at that quickly. We'll do our, our category recap. We got all that, and that's all brought to you by our good friends at Poor Choice. That is what's on tap, Mike. They have 50 tap beers. You want to check them out. One place, endless possibilities. Um, let's start bigger picture. Mike, we, you said it. we finally got a, a game under our belt. We finally got opportunity to play this week. Uh, nice, easy victory. Obviously, I think we all thought that was you know going to be what happened. What are your What were your first impressions as you had time now to think about this and you know look at where we are? What are your thoughts on how UCF played in the game overall? Overall, they played well. I mean, we got off to a quick, comfortable lead. Uh, maybe there was a little lull there in the uh, second and third quarters. We kind of saw that a couple times last year, too. But overall, you know, passing game w- was working. The running game was working. The defense looked great, 
right? They gave up two scores really on short fields, not really their fault. Um, yeah. Special teams, still a little special. We could use a little help there. Yeah. But overall, I mean, the, the crowd was good. You know, a lot of people showed up on a Thursday night in some bad weather. Looked like the game was going to get delayed again. Really only a three-minute delay, so we can't really complain there. And uh, for me, great time out, out to watch party. So overall, nice to get our feet wet. And now it's time for to play some real football. Yeah, I really liked that. I was impressed by how quickly we jumped on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on them and got scores on the board. It was 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, obviously. Um, you know, there are, oper- there are times, I guess, throughout the year we've struggled against some of these teams. We haven't really put our best foot forward. You know, but 21 points at the end of the first uh, first quarter. And you saw pretty quickly, you know, what you're going to get from John Rice Plumley. You know, saw how good he can be, obviously, with a passing touchdown to Baker. Uh, and then uh, and then another one to, uh, to to Corey Gamble in the end zone. And then obviously, you know, he had to run himself, too. So you definitely saw, um, you know, how good he can be and, and all those questions we had. I mean, we're 21 nil at the end of the first quarter. I don't think anyone was second guessing Gus's decision to start JRP. No. <laughs> well, I mean, there's still a couple of people out there, but. No, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be with the way that game started. If you want to second guess Gus for anything, it's why was he playing as long as he played? Why was Bowser still in the game in the fourth quarter? That was driving me a little crazy there for a while. Because, you know, the biggest thing we were scared of really coming into the game was injuries. I think we escaped, but uh, we were playing with fire there for letting these guys play. We were up by, you know, what was the score? 49 to 10 at some point, and these guys are still in the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. But uh, we got away with it, and now I guess uh, – there's no more controversy over quarterback, right? Plumlee established himself the first game. I mean, yep. for now, I guess he can have a clunker this week, and we're right back to where we started. But yeah, right now, he looks yeah. good. Well, I, I think if I had to, you know, if I had to think about Plumlee and how I, how I, you know, sort of assess him, I think he's a superb, superior athlete who's learning to be a good quarterback, right? Like I think he's his out. He can out-athlete anybody on the field. Uh, his quarterback stuff, I think, is still raw. He's still coming along. You can tell this is a guy who's only played quarterback for one year in college football, hasn't played quarterback in two years. He missed a couple easy reads, some easy checkdowns, or had a couple throws here and there. I think he's still raw and developing as a quarterback, but at least gives you hope that there's ceiling to get to. He can still get to another level, another gear. First game jitters, learning the offense, you know, getting out there for the first time. Maybe some of that stuff is too explained. I mean, but you saw his athletic ability. You saw what he can do when a play breaks down, Mike. And now, if we're going to be honest, we saw the way that old line played, and, and it looked a little shaky at times. Now having Plumlee back there makes a little bit more sense. I mean, no disrespect to Mikey Keene, but some of those some of those plays, Mikey Keene's eating the football, or he's thrown it into the ground, or he's thrown it into the second level, right? Because, you know, he, he's not going to get out of that. So if that line is going to take some time to gel, maybe that also explains a little bit why Gus went with Plumlee, because he can make a play out of nothing, and he had to do that a few separate times. Again, superior athlete, raw as a quarterback, but you see that opportunity for him to develop. Yeah, Gus kept talking about it, how he kept saying, if the quarterbacks were live, I'd be able to see what the play would end up being. And he he wasn't able to do that. He had to guess, would this guy have gotten out of that? Would he have made a good play out of it? Uh, looking back on it now, it seems like he made the right decision, especially knowing about the offensive line, what we know today. Uh, he made a couple of those plays. There was a play early in the first drive. He should have been sacked for a loss of eight got out of it and turned it into a first down, got another 10 yards out of the deal. So um, very exciting. Fastest guy on that fumble return that they, they returned all the way to Mm. the goal line. He was flying down the field. Not something you really want to see your quarterback do. I think uh, Shula used to tell Marino, if you throw an interception, just go straight to the sideline, get off the field. You don't want to get hurt, get hit. Right. 
But Plumley almost made the tackle, and he did force the guy back inside. Yeah, he he really should get a hockey assist on that tackle because he he made that guy weave back inside. He made him look over his right shoulder, allowed O'Keefe to sneak up and, and make the tackle. He should get a hockey assist on that. I don't know if he gets a half a tackle on that, but he should. Right, and it, and the hustle I love, and every everybody really loved that play. I think at the bar that I was at, I think probably got the loudest ovation when they came back and tackled them. I've heard at the stadium that everybody said there was, was a great reaction to the play too. So. You love to see that, especially out of leaders on your team, Plumley and O'Keefe, not giving up on any play during the game. All right, two questions for you. What did you learn about UCF after watching this game? What's one thing you learned maybe you didn't know or you weren't sure about that now you're sure about? I think this offense is going to be better than I thought it was. You know, last year, you know, there were plenty of times where I wasn't sure we were going to score 20 points, and we didn't. You know, the Tulane <laughs> game, the East Carolina game, the Cal game, it was kind of like, you know, are we going to get more than one touchdown today? I don't know. This offense, I feel good. Even if we were down early, let's say we go down 10 points to Louisville, it's not panic time for me yet. You know, so I feel better that way. Yeah, for me, I think it's kind of the same answer, but a bit of a different spin. I feel good about the weapons we have, right? Every year we bring in transfers or bring in these refreshment recruits, and we always think that they're going to be fantastic and they're going to be great. And they get out there sometimes, and we're like, Ugh, not so much, right? I mean, everybody that we thought was going to be a good player showed up to be a good player, right? We saw plays out of Kamori Gamble. We saw plays out of Javon Baker. Obviously, we saw plays out of Plumley. You know, the guys that I think we were like, hey, are these guys going to do anything? They showed up, and, and that I think that that's helpful to know. You never really know what you get. Right. All due respect to, you know, to Jordan Johnson, you know, we thought he was going to be a fantastic five star player and he barely cracks the field these days. Right. So you never know what you're going to get. It was helpful to see these guys actually on the field making plays. Feel good about that. What's one thing you're concerned about now after having watched them play for a little bit? Now, what's what's one thing Mike's a little bit shaky about? I mean, special teams didn't look great. I know we got the block punt for a touchdown at the end, but we had a punt blocked of our own. We had a missed field goal in there. Um, Still a lot of work to be done on that that whole side of the ball. Um, you know, the defense was good. Everything else I, I, I liked. So I, obviously you straighten up things on the offensive line a little bit. That could get worked out too. These guys are all working together for the very first time. There could have been communication problems. I, I didn't break down the offensive line play in the film room. So I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, what are you doing on the show then, Mike? Uh, I think for me, I'm going to, the thing that probably has me most concerned, and it's, again, most concerned is I have to pick something to answer this question that I asked myself, frankly, uh, is is that offensive line slash rushing attack? And, and I don't mean it from a sense of, of obviously Plumley did really well, um, but Isaiah Bowser only averaged 3.4 yards a carry. I mean, he, he was he was a four, five, five and a half, six guy last year. You know, basically cut in half. He had twenty two carries, seventy six yards. It didn't seem like he had a lot of room to run, a lot of holes to, to get to. Um, obviously, Plumley went over one over one hundred. You know, when you but after you back out sacks, it's different. Um, Johnny Richardson looked good in in his you know his little uh, spot duty there, but twenty six runs for Bowser, seventy six yards, only three point four yards a carry. I mean, twenty two carries for Bowser last year was an automatic 100, 110, 115. Now it's 76. Maybe there was something on the line that they were doing differently uh, from South Carolina State that confused us. But again, small problem, a problem that can be fixed. But I, I, when I looked at the stats, I thought that was telling. Only 3.4 yards of carry for um, uh, for Bowser. I mean, that had to be the the key focus on their defense was Isaiah sure. Bowser. Yeah. Probably the guy that you say you can't let this guy beat you. Everybody line up to stop the run. Make Plumlee throw the ball to beat us. And he did a couple of times. He made a couple of nice throws. But that had to be the uh, the game plan coming in. And I would expect that to be the big game plan Louisville has coming in too. Stop Bowser first. 
Yeah, we'll get to Louisville in a second, Mike. 56-10 obviously comes out to be uh, um, to, to be the, the final score. Uh, a nice, easy victory to your point. No injuries that we're aware of. Nobody major got carted off the field. Gus did let those guys go a little longer in, in his presser either the day after or, the, you know, or this week. He said he just wanted them to get some rhythm together, get some time together, finish a drive together. Um, you understand his thinking a little bit, right? But to your point, it was, you know, you, you always get that PTSD from what happened to Bam Moore and having guys on the field too late. You know, it did take a while to pull the trigger, I think, to get that that first unit off the field. Um, they were still in there until the fourth quarter after um, after Plumlee threw that touchdown pass to Zach Marsh Wojan. After that, the you know, the second group came in. But the second group, Mike, wasn't what people thought it was. So here's the next avenue, right? Second group this time around turned out to be Thomas Castellanos, the quarterback, Jordan McDonald, at running back. A lot of people are assuming that means they're the backups. I don't know if I believe that as much as I think it's just mop-up duty and it's like, hey, let's get the kids in here because um, you didn't see R.J. Harvey. You didn't see a lot of Mark Anthony Richards. So I don't think that that means that Mikey Keene you know, is supplanted. I don't think it means that Jordan McDonald's RB2. I think it was just getting a group of guys in to get some game action, let the true freshman get some play. Um, at least that's my read on it. What would you take of, of seeing Tommy and, and Jordan McDonald in the ballgame? Yeah, get the guy's feet wet. If somebody's going to get hurt, you, know, you don't want it to be Mikey Keene either. Right. If he's the backup quarterback, we need him the whole year. No sense in him hitting his thumb on somebody's helmet, throwing a pass here in the fourth quarter up by five touchdowns. So uh, not too surprised with Castellanos getting in there. Good for experience. And also, if these guys are only going to be uh, redshirting at this this year, you can only get them four games each. You save the game with Mikey Keene not playing on this game, too. So that might have factored into it. Um, really not much time to get a lot of, of garbage time because, like we said, the starters were in there start the fourth quarter. So it wasn't really a lot of action for these guys to be ahead. You're going to get plenty more opportunities down the road. I think the Temple game I already see as a, a game that's basically another bye week. Uh, a couple other games on this schedule not looking so tough either. So there will be more opportunities for all these guys. Yeah, well, I think you tweeted this out. Only, uh, only two teams on our schedule won in week one. Is that right? No, only two teams left on the schedule without a loss. Gotcha. Every team on our schedule already has lost a game. Most of them only played one game. Uh, yeah. FAU has played two. They they lost this week. They won the first one. Uh, just SMU and Tulane are the only ones that are undefeated right now. One and zero. We'll <laughs> see. Obviously, Cincinnati played hard and, and lost yeah. a, a tough one against Arkansas. They're still going to be a tough out. Houston got really interesting with uh, the Roadrunners down there. Eked out a an overtime win. Um, so we'll see how, how that plays out. Week one's always kind of a, a weird thing. But for UCF, again, they finished 1-0, 56-10. Uh, it was the final score. Uh, 31, I think, if I did the math right, in the AP tw- top 25, Mike. So still on that outside looking in, others receiving votes. Obviously, we'll have a chance against a Louisville team that uh, really crapped the bet against Syracuse. I'm sure we'll get into that. But Louisville got curb stomped 31-7. It's got some folks really looking forward uh, to this matchup. Uh, obviously, revenge on a lot of folks' mind, Mike. You and I will be there. And we will be there as part of the Sons of UCF tailgate experience, Mike. We are very close to getting there. Give the people all the details they need to know about what they can expect in the tailgate experience, where to find us, what time we'll be there, what we're going to do. Lay it all on the line for everybody, my friend. We have five hours before kickoff where we can get this thing started. It starts at 2.30. Game starts at 7.30. We're going to be set up right Next to the stage where the uh, tailgate concert goes on, where the Dave Matthews cover band is going to be performing, right by Iowa Plaza into the main entrance of the stadium, right in front of it. You're not going to be able to miss us. Right by the track, right by the indoor practice facility. You're going to see a bunch of tents set up there. We're going to be right there. I put out a map today on my Twitter. It shows exactly where our tent is. It's technically tent number 10. 
we're going to have our name on it. You won't be able to miss us. It'll say Sons of UCF on there. Um, come by, man. Everybody come by. I tell you, come by for five minutes. Come by for five hours. It's up to you. Now, if you're going to come by for five hours, I will say this. Don't just show up and expect us to provide everything for you. There's only so much potato salad I can bring for everybody. I don't know how many people would expect this thing. So we'll bring some things. We'll bring some beers. We'll, st- we'll have some stuff. But it's not a free ride for five hours either. Come and bring your own sandwich or something. Keep yourself uh, full. Bring bring a couple uh, beers of your of your own. But it's going to be a good time. You know, We get to meet everybody. We did it last year. We had a good time meeting a lot of listeners. I look forward to seeing some of those same people which have already RSVP'd, and I look forward to meeting a bunch of new people that we've never met before. Yeah, it's just a big community thing, right? So just come by, hang out, bring your, your community treasures if you want. We'll have some giveaways, we'll have a few shirts that we'll be able to, to pass out. we got plenty of flyers, Mike. You, you can have all the flyers you need if you stop by uh, the tailgate. Uh, just have some fun, talk some football. Um, don't know what the weather is going to be like just yet, so you may need some covering, which we will have in a, in a pretty large tent there. Uh, so all this stuff is uh, is definitely something that we're excited to just be a part of the community. Again, this is all brought to you by Revel XP, Mike. Uh, you can you can visit them at RevelXP.com if you want to book a package for an upcoming game. Obviously, they do UCF games. If maybe you want to look into a road game, maybe someplace close to where you live, maybe it's a you know game for one of your friends or family, an alma mater out of the state or whatever. RevelXP.com is probably a place you want to check out. Just show up. That's literally all Mike and I are going to do. We're going to literally just show up with boxes of shirts. Uh, Mike will have, uh, you know, probably a, a 12 pack of uh, some highlight IPA. I'll be rocking the Bud Light Seltzers and we'll be in the tent. We're just going to show up there and hang out and have a good time. So make sure you show up and hang out and have a good time too. Some RSVPs have already poured in, Mike. I don't know how much we can reveal. I think you you may have secured a couple of uh, special guests to, to stop by. I don't know how official that is. So I don't know if you want to release any of that yet. Obviously, Trace will be stopping by as well. Uh, we may have some sponsorship th- stuff there too. So maybe some cool stuff to, to be able to hand out and for you to, to taste test, I guess I'll tease, Mike. But overall, it should be a good time. Again, brought to you all by rebelxp.com. That's right. These guys bring the tent. They bring us chairs. They bring some tables. They bring the cooler. They do everything. Set it up for us. They even have bellhop service. So when we pull up the car, they'll take everything out of the car, bring it over to our tent spot. They have it all figured out and makes our job a lot easier. We don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to worry about cleaning up afterwards, all that stuff, even though don't make a mess either because you guys make too much of a mess. They're going to charge me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so throw your garbage in the the garbage cans, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to worry about packing up tents, folding chairs, bringing everything to the car, all that stuff. We don't have time for that. We can party right up to kickoff and go straight from our tent into the cabana. And if you have another tailgate you're you're hanging out with, that's cool. You know what? Because we're right by the stadium. So go hang out with that other tailgate for a little bit. Maybe leave, you know, 30, 45 minutes earlier. We're literally right outside the stadium. So you can stop by, hang out with us. And then all of a sudden, look at your watch and go, oh, my goodness, it's 7 o'clock. It's come with kickoff. You can literally walk like your 10 steps from getting to the stadium from where we are. So we got you covered. We will uh, we will be there and we will be hanging out again, hopefully, to see a victorious UCF Knights game against Louisville. Again, we'll get into that in a little bit, Mike, but let's wrap up the game against South Carolina State. One of the things we do around here all the time is we do our um, kind of our game balls, kind of our good, bad, uglies, whatever you want to call it. Other shows have other names for it. But the way Mike and I do this is we look at different things throughout the game and we assign a categories based on our previous bowl, um, bowl games, bowl appearances or bowl victories or bowl losses, as it were. Right. So we have two categories that are kind of the favorable categories that is the Peach Bowl is the top of the top. The Liberty Bowl, uh, 2010 Liberty Bowl is our uh, kind of our middle category. And then on the negative side, we have the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, we don't have the Hawaii Bowl anymore, do we? Yeah, we have the Hawaii. Oh, yeah, Bowl I think we right? changed to Boca, didn't 
We have the Boca Bowl. The Boca Bowl is the bad category, right? So we've got basically the Boca Bowl. Do we have another category? I thought we had one more. Cure Bowl. Did we get rid of that one? Um, the Cure Bowl. Yeah, I we think just got three now. Should, or, I should really rehearse the cure, yeah. the cure or Boca could be the worst category there is. Gotcha. Depends. So we got on three categories. Things. We got three categories. Liberty Bowls, okay. Peach is fantastic. Boca Bowl is GTFO. So that's how we do this around here, Mike. Each of us have an opportunity to go through and pick three things, and uh, we got some graphics to to accompany this for those of you who are following along on YouTube. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, you can get on there too. We'll splice this up for you, Mike. But you are up first with your first category, and uh, and lead us off. What do you got? The very first peach of the year. Happy to tell you, John Rice Plumley for the hot start he got off to in this game, especially in that first quarter. We didn't know what to expect out of this kid. You know, was he going to be nervous? Was he going to be throwing the ball straight into the ground? Uh, I, I was a little scared for him. But he came out, passed with flying colors right away. First three drives, three touchdowns. Boom, boom, boom. That very first drive, we go nine plays, 70 yards. He hits wide open Javon Baker in the end zone. Seven nothing. Next drive, one play it took him. Get, hits Kimor Gamble, diving catch in the end zone. Fourteen nothing. The third drive, another one here. Adam showing some highlights for those um, watching on YouTube. Kimor Gamble, which that catch, I, I didn't even know if he really caught the ball. It looked like maybe. Yeah, I think if they re, if they replayed that, I think that could have been a challenge because that rollover right there. But luckily, we did not get that one on a replay. And that so we, we talk about his throwing ability, Mike. This is this is a pretty darn good throw. It's it's you know deep to the deep part of the uh, of the end zone. Again, it's on the far hash. So he's throwing kind of across his body, across field, laid it out. Only Gamble was going to get that and gave him a catchable ball, Mike. And we talk about his throwing ability. That was a, that was a good throw. Yeah, he tested us early a couple of times. That was a nice pass. And then to start the very next drive, he hits O'Keefe down the middle for about what was it? Another 40, 50 yards. So. Very good with his arm and his legs early in the game. On the third touchdown, he runs over a couple guys. 17-yard run right into the end zone himself. He, he did it all. He did it all early in the game. He, he scrambled away from pressure once and, and turned that into a positive play. Here's the touchdown run. Barrels over two, three guys on his way in and does a little jump into the end zone. A great start to his UCF career. First peach of the season, John Rice Plumley. Congratulations, kid. Overall, yeah, he could as, as, for the whole game, 308 yards passing, four touchdowns, yeah. another 100 yards on the ground with another touchdown. So nothing to really complain about. And this is the run people are looking at. This is the uh, the, the the third touchdown, his first rushing touchdown. He could have been tackled at the 10, lowered his shoulder. Two other guys could have met at the five. He still finds a way to get in there. Uh, and this is the dynamic element that as much as Mikey Keene will always be somebody I'll root for, you know, Mikey Keene's not not giving this kind of attention. Mikey Keene's not making this kind of play. Mikey's probably tackled about the 15 or the 12-yard line. A very nice gain, but you're looking at the difference between a quarterback like John Rice Plumley with his athletic ability and somebody like a Mikey Keene who may not have that. So while it, it feels, you know, feels kind of crappy to, to bag on Mikey Keene, that's obviously not what I'm trying to do. But you recognize the special gift that JRP has. And Mike, I had, you know, I, th I think I had said in the in the previous uh, show, I thought he'd be okay passing. I thought we'd see a couple. I would not have guessed he threw 300 yards. I mean, I know he did, but I would not have told you going into this game that I would have thought he would have thrown for 300 yards. That was certainly something that was that was impressive. Again, he's raw at times. You know, he still had opportunities, I think, to make other plays. He probably left a few yards out on the field, which is scary, right? If he can put that together and make some better reads and 
you know, and, and keep his eyes downfield just a little bit. I mean, he probably could have had three, you know, 350 in this game if he hit some of those guys. Bowser, first quarter, was like literally wide open by himself. He would have run for you know, at least another 20, 25 yards if he had, if he had made that throw. So I think there's still meat on the bone from uh, JRP's perspective. And he's got some power. Look at that run again for the touchdown run. Three guys hit him, not just like swipe at him. Three guys hit them with their shoulders, and he just bounces right off them, goes into the end zone. He's you better wrap up on JRP or he's gonna make you look silly. And I, this is a great start for him. I, I loved watching him that first game. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think Gus was really excited about him lowering the shoulder. I think they talked about you may have to, uh, you know, make a smarter decision next time, kid. But I mean, it was a great highlight play. You, you don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to have seen him slide there, right? He already kind of, you know. Welcome the contact, um, but it is one of those things where that's where Mikey Keene is on deck, right? Because that's a separated shoulder possibility on the road. So you, you got to yeah, That's where having a Mikey Keene, I think, will be helpful. But you definitely saw all the skills on this play uh, for John Rice Pumley, Mike. So my first category, we already touched on it a little bit. I'm going Ryan O'Keefe. He did not have the most, you know, eye-popping statistical game, at least not what we're used to Ryan O'Keefe having. In fact, it's kind of a quiet game. He only had, uh, he had two of those little end-around runs for 33 yards, three catches, 48 yards, made a fantastic catch uh, over the middle of the field. Had a couple of, uh, of kick returns uh, that also came out to midfield. Some got called back due to penalties. More on that in a second, Mike. But, of course, he made the play, the play everybody's talking about, right, the play where he chases down a guy, from you know from out of nowhere uh, the tv copy didn't do really do it justice how far he came on that play mike um but i mean obviously jrp gets hit in the pocket you know ball squirts loose you know ends up being a forward pass and uh, and obviously you know john rice starts the the effort by chasing the guy down but ryan o'keefe is standing at the five yard line when that when this breaks loose and again you see jrp speed by the way you're watching this on youtube with this his speed he comes out of nowhere but he, he has jablonski green turnover and ryan o'keefe knocks him down at the three and we hold those guys to a field goal right and that's a play you easily could give up on mike you easily could have been like all right that's seven they're up 28 nothing at this point right you give up a touchdown you know who who cares no big deal but i i think two things one i'll give i'll give plummy the hockey assist because i think you know hopefully as a receiver you see your quarterback you see another one of your teammates making that hustle you know, I think you've got to do the same thing too. But again, O'Keefe could have easily given up on this play. Uh, but it's it, it's just phenomenal of the you know his effort, his attitude. He's wearing that giant ass C on his on his jersey for captain for a reason. That's kind of a, a play a captain makes. So while again, it still nets us um, you know uh, three points, obviously off of that. And and you know he's had much more spectacular plays in his UCF career. I think that'll be one of the most memorable ones. So I'm gonna go Peach to uh, to Ryan O'Keefe. Yeah, you love the hustle out of this kid. And the speed that he has, we've known about it for a couple of seasons now. He's in line for a big year, and he's showing – that's the leadership you need to show. As a as the captain on this team, to never give up on a play, everybody's going to see that. Everybody noticed it right away, but everybody's going to see it again in practice. I'm sure they're going to highlight it in film study and all that. And that is an example that everybody else on this team – hey, this guy is the, the leading receiver on the team. He's the starter. He's not taking plays off, so you better not take any plays off either. And, and hats up to the defense, too, Mike, because they came out and, and, and held them to a field goal, right? And, and you wonder if a play like that inspired the defense to be like, okay, you know, O'Keefe, you know, got us here. Like, let's let's close this deal. Let's make sure that we, we take care of this. So those are kind of winning plays, even though that, that comes on a turnover. It's weird to say that. Those are kind of the winning plays that you see teams make. And we've seen this happen from time to time with UCF, where you've seen guys who are, you know, just leaders on teams sacrifice. How many times have we talked to somebody, Mike, on our show, and we talk about, like, the, you know, what happened in 2000? 
2011. How'd that thing go haywire? And man, I really thought we'd be good in 08. And, you know, and, and what really happened in that 14 year? And we hear guys go, ah, you know, you just didn't have guys, didn't have leaders, you know, you just didn't gel. And, and this is one of those kind of plays where, to your point, you can look back in the season and say, hey, it, at the end of the day, it was just a tackle, but it, it, it signified more about what hopefully the culture that Gus is building. And uh, hopefully it's good momentum we carry into future games, Mike. But Ryan O'Keefe very much gets a peach again. Maybe the offensive stuff wasn't as great, but uh, th- that hustle play and his heart on that one. Uh, happy to hand out that peach. Shades of Rob Calabrese in the uh, 2012 oh. championship game on that extra point. Yikes. I don't know how people feel about Rob Calabrese. All right. What's your, uh, what's your next category? <laughs> Uh, all right, I got a Liberty. You know, this is borderline peach too, but I'm going to go Liberty because it wasn't perfect. But the defense, the overall total defense in this game, very good. They hold uh, South Carolina State to under 100 yards total, 91 yards total. Um, 56 in the air, 35 on the ground. They only gave up the 10 points. Like I said, those 10 points are basically gift wrapped to South Carolina State. Three off that play that we just watched where they had a gold line stand. And then on the punt block, that first play coming out of there, they threw a 26-yard touchdown pass. You, you call it a mulligan. The defense overall played great all night. Um, Walter Yates, the third leading tackler mm-hmm. with seven tackles. I mean, how many people had that prediction going into the game? Probably not many. Um, JJB right behind him with five tackles of his own. We got a couple sacks in there. Good to see. Remember last year, it took us a couple games to even get to the quarterback. Now, these yeah. wasn't defensive linemen, guys. You know, it wasn't Selescar and those guys. But uh, Justin Hodges with a sack. Nakai Martinez gets the sack in his first game. Nine tackles for a loss overall as a defense. Very good. And we get on the board turnover-wise. Devod Wilson with a very nice play on that tip pass, tip drill interception. Um, good for him. Overall, a good, clean game by the defense. Most importantly, no injuries. And we load up for next week. We held these guys two for 16 on third downs. So we got off the field every time we could. I mean, they were two for four on fourth down. But, yeah. you know, what, what, I was most ex- what I was most excited about, you actually just mentioned it, was uh, Hodges and Nakai Martinez both play that knife position, right? And we know T. Will loves to blitz out of that knife position. We know Hodges has done that a few times last year. To see both him and Nakai Martinez on a called blitz, get to the quarterback, get him to the grounds. I think that's really exciting. And I'd love to have seen a sack from somebody in that front four, maybe that front seven. But obviously, we know that's such an effective uh, blitz package for UCF. And I think this year, last year, the night position was initially, you know, Bryson Armstrong tried it for a little bit. Uh, that didn't really work out. And then I think we brought in Hodges after a while. I think that really shored that up. I think he's going to be a really key player. But I'm excited that a, a true freshman, Akai Martinez, got in. And this wasn't a garbage time sack. This was like, what, second, third quarter, I think, Akai made that play. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's cool to see that we're going to have some talent along those lines. We had a bunch of guys with tackles for loss. Mike Curvin shoot had two TFLs. That was a name we heard a little bit in camp. Um, so you definitely saw some guys, uh, making some plays out there as well. So overall the defense, you know, you, you yeah, to your point, we give up a, a touchdown and kind of in a garbage time setting. But we also heard a lot about, um, you know, the, the we had, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Ernest Robinson on from the telecast. You know, talked about Shaquem, uh, Shaquem Davis. He only had two catches for 35 yards. I and mean, we held him in check pretty good. Again, one was a touchdown for sure. But we held him in check pretty good. O- outside of that, uh, you know, only, uh, only six other receptions um, from players. So overall, the secondary played well. Um, I think the defense uh, did what they had to do. And it, it helps. It makes you... I actually feel better about this because if the offense is going to sputter at all, hopefully the defense can keep us in games like, like they did last year until the offense figures it out. So T will 
we got to, you know, he's on the screen pointing at us right now. We got to point back at T will because he, he's done a nice job. I think this, this next game will be a big test for him, but overall at this point, uh, T will's done a nice job the last half of the, of the year last year. And obviously so far. Um, so it's a, it's a nice call for you uh, on the AutoZone Liberty bowl. Yeah. This week is going to be a step up, even though Louisville did not look good in week one, um, but definitely going to be a step up in competition compared to South Carolina state. All right, I'll go next, Mike. I'm going to give a Liberty Bowl to my guy, Johnny Richardson. This is a home photo. He's, he took a picture with my kid at FanFest, Mike. Uh, we talked about Johnny Richardson. One, I don't think he fell to the ground at all on his own accord. So so we're already uh, ahead of where we were last year. But, man, something about this kid gets in the game. And I know he was in a little bit later. He was spelling Bowser. But when he gets the ball in his hands, Mike, he is just electric. He had five five rushes for 59 yards. That's 11, 11 yards of carry. He also had a nice, uh, a nice touchdown catch as well. Um, you know, two receptions at the backfield. It just feels like he's kind of got that for me, that that Adrian Killens type excitement. When the ball gets in his hands, you feel like he's gonna make something happen. He's gonna he's gonna get a, a chunk play, he's gonna get a bunch of yards, he's gonna make a couple guys miss. Again, last year he just couldn't stay on his feet. But so far, game one, again, five rushes, 59 yards, two receptions, and a touchdown reception. Um, I mean, again, he he played a really good game. It makes you feel you know, helpful to, uh, to say, okay, if Bowser doesn't have it, we've got this one-two punch, right? You got this thunder lightning. You got this kid who can come in, be a nice change of pace back. He's somebody that Gus talked about pretty glowingly in, in the preseason press conferences about how much he's changed and how much he's gotten better. Uh, so I really like the performance out of Johnny Richardson. He was a you know our leading rusher last year when Bowser went out. I mean, he definitely held things to, down for us there. But I think it was a nice start for Johnny. I think he's going to be a good X-factor weapon for the offense this year. I wonder if we're ever going to see the two of them in the backfield at the same time. You think Gus has any of that up his sleeve at some point? Probably. I mean, I, I, I think that was a question asked before. I think if you're going to do some of that wildcat stuff, right? Like you, you put, you put Bowser in the wildcat, right? You put Johnny Richardson as that, as that jet sweep guy. I mean, that's pick your poison, right? Or O'Keefe for anybody else. So you, you, there's probably a couple of wrinkles where you see something like that. And if you're a defense, you're like, do I, do I guard against this giant human being back here taking the, taking the snap? Or do I, you know, do I, do I defend this quick guy coming around? So I'm sure there's a wrinkle or two that Gus has in there. Right. But this kid is, I mean, we've seen the talent now for a while. What he needs to do is just break some long touchdowns. That's the one thing that's holding him back. You mentioned last year he kept falling down. This year he stays on his feet. He breaks a couple 50-yard-plus touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be a fan favorite for everybody. And I don't I, – like, do you consider him to be, like, a, a shifty back? Like, I don't see him, like, making moves and cuts, making guys miss. He's just, like, gets the ball, you know, maybe one shoulder fake and it's just straight line speed. You don't see a lot of, you know, head and shoulder fakes, Barry Sanders type of moves. He seems like he just finds his crease, hits the hole, and goes. Like, he's not what I would call or what I what I, what I think is a shifty kind of back, right? No, not as much. He doesn't do a lot of dancing, which I like. I don't like guys that are just dancing around. You know, every once in a while they hit that home run, but then there's six times where they've lost 10 yards because they're trying to do too much. Hit the hole and goal. Uh, that's a, a nice style to have. And, and a lot of times you'll see him just squirt out of somewhere and, and pop out for another 10, 15 yards. So uh, he's in line for a big year, hopefully a big night on Friday. Yeah, it gives you hope that, you know, again, more wrinkles in the offense. I, I know we talked a lot about Bowser and the receivers, but, you know, having this deep running back room and and he's such a change of pace. And to your point, I wonder if the defense was was so kind of cued in on, on Isaiah Bowser. That was the game plan, the big bruising back between the tackles. This kid comes in and is like, whoa, wait, we didn't prepare for this. Like, what's going on here, right? If you can find a way to, to dial that change of pace. Uh, that could be lethal throughout the year, Mike. Sometimes bad things happen, and we got to call that out too, Mike. I know your next category is what? It's a Boca Bowl. I labeled it. 
Um, yeah, you did. Only bad things happen in Boca, which hopefully gets <laughs> corrected in a week or so when we go there again. But my God, Daniel Obarski, I don't know what to say about any, about anymore. This is not good, man. I, I'm ready to abandon the whole experiment. He had one chance to kick a field goal right before the half. Experiment. He's a start. <laughs> no experiment at this point. This is what we've been living with. Uh, it can't be. It can't be. He missed that field goal by a whole other goalpost. If there was a goalpost next to the one that was there, it would have been Man. wide right of that one, which is how far <laughs> he missed that field goal. It was so bad. It was embarrassing. I went to the bathroom after that, right at halftime, pissed because we just Literally? missed the field goal. Yeah, I pissed in the bathroom and <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> That this yeah. guy missed that field goal. We've been saying it the whole time. He hasn't hit one over 40 yards in his career. This was one. I mean, there's not a lot of pressure. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, he didn't have to rush to get out there. Everything, the clock was stopped. Get out there. Set yourself up and hit one right through the uprights. Going, and then everybody would have felt great about Obarski. He hit his extra points. Eight for eight on extra points. Fine there. He got to be able to hit field goals. I have no confidence in him. I don't care if it's a 40-yarder. I don't care if it's a 25-yarder. I don't think he's going to hit it when he goes out there, especially if he's off to the hash mark. Forget it. Everything's got to be perfect for this guy. Like an extra point, it's got to be from the three-yard line straight on. Otherwise, I have no hope that he's going to actually hit it. Well, to be fair, so, so the clock actually wasn't stopped because it was third and 17. John Rice threw a one-yard pass to Baker, and then and the, the team trots on the field. But they trotted on the field with like 14, 15 seconds on the clock, right? Plenty of time to, to get situated because um, even after he missed, he still had three seconds on the clock. So we didn't take the entire time. So there was a little bit of rushing, sure. But to your point, we're already up big at that point. So it's, a, it's not a pressure kick. It's at home. He should be used to that field, that end zone, those goal posts. Um, you know, you would, you would have thought this was one that, okay, it's a little bit out of what we've seen in his range, but we keep hearing this kid's got a strong length. We've seen it on kickoffs and he just, I don't know if he's got the yips. I'm not sure what it is, but that was a, that was a makeable kick. You know, the reality is we didn't need it this time, but we're going to need it at some point. And when that, when that comes to your point, are we going to be comfortable when he comes trotting out there at a 42 yarder to, you know, to win the game? I mean, that's, that's the one where we were. It's going to be a bit dicey. Now, 32-yarder, maybe you feel differently. But 40-plus, I mean, if you can't hit 40-plus-yard field goals, I mean, pro career is, is not is not in your reach. No. And this Riker Casey looked good on kickoffs. He kicked everything through the, through the end zone for touchbacks. He's obviously got a, a strong leg. Is he that much, that less, more accurate than uh, Obarski? Less, more. Is, that, is he worse than Obarski kicking field yeah. goals? Is that possible? I mean, we've seen the practice videos of him hitting cars in the parking lot off to the side. We, we've seen. <laughs> well, to be fair, we don't know who kicked that, <laughs> but a lot of evidence would point in that direction. Yes. Uh, at this point, I'm willing to give Riker Casey a shot, give Colton Boomer a shot, somebody. And, and the, if you're watching on YouTube, it tells you everything about Obarsi's career. The picture that we have of him is of yeah. him running with the football. <laughs> that was his over. best play that yeah. I think that he's had as a as a night in. Now this is his fourth season. It was a, a punt gone wrong? He he got the ball out of bounds. He ran what ten yards or whatever it is and kicked it again. It's also the easiest photo of him to uh, to to modify. But um, more on Obarski in a bit, Mike. So I'll, I'll leave the conversation here and I will go to my last category, and that is penalties, Mike. Uh, penalties, penalties, penalties. 10 penalties, 85 yards. So it isn't like, hey, we got we got killed by penalties. But we had a couple of bad ones on special teams. 
you I, you almost got the victory lap of all victory laps. Last week, your headline was, X going to give it to you, and you thought Xavier Townsend was going to make a big play, and lo and behold, catches a, catches a punt, goes back to the house, gets called back on holding. Actually, by Walter Yates the third is the person who was uh, credited with that hold. I don't know how, how realistic that is, Mike. Uh, a, a bunch of penalties all over the field. Um, again, Sure, in, in this game, you can probably afford to have some of those, Mike, but those are things we, we've got to clean up. We had false starts early in the game. We had a couple of false starts on receivers, uh, which is, you know, which is something you don't want to see happen. That first drive, we had two false starts in that very first drive, which, you know, that should have been the drive they've been practicing for God knows how long. Uh, you mentioned special teams, a couple uh, a couple of penalties on some runbacks. I know O'Keefe got one out to about the midfield mark. That one got brought back. So We've got to clean up some of the penalty stuff. Again, this was a game where it didn't hurt us. 85 yards overall isn't terrible, but it took seven points off the board at least. It maybe makes a, a shorter field for some of those other drives overall as well, too. So uh, penalties, 10 of 85, that's my uh, that's my bookable. Yeah, that was frustrating in that first drive, those false starts. That was, that was the one blemish on the whole first quarter, which was almost perfect. Um, we got to cut that in half coming into this week. Ten penalties, cut it down to five six tops and you know then you can put yourself in a good shot to win this game you, you can kill yourself this is gonna hurt you worse than special teams missing kicks mm. penalties can can change an entire game so gotta get cleaned up right now especially false start mike we're, we're at home right like you know the the crowd noise probably isn't i mean we're not in a raucous road environment where like you gotta you know get the signals correct you're at home you know easy play again you've probably practiced these plays before particularly that first drive maybe it was nerves you know maybe it just was was guys you know, being able to hold their water. You know, there was another PI penalty, I think, on Corey Thorne, which was kind of questionable. He kind of just, I think, you know, had, a, had a hand on the jersey, maybe a slight tug. I don't think it was that egregious. So there are some that you probably go borderline. But hopefully this is something that, that we can clean up because it's not – we can't afford to shoot ourselves in the penalties, uh, in, in the foot with penalties. You know, 10 penalties, that's the – we're entering Josh Heupel territory at that point. Yeah, not good. And But you did like my boy Townsend returning that punt. Huh? Uh, we're going to see a little bit you, more of him. You, you almost, you almost had the walk off of all walk offs, my friend, because you you called that on the show. You said that, hey, you know, Xavier Townsend is going to do something big. It was kind of a weird, you know, obscure. Like, is that really going to happen, Mike? But, um, but I'll put it on screen for everybody here. Again, it's it's a clean catch, um, you know, and what it, where is he? He's about the thirty five yard line. Makes one guy miss with speed, gets a crease, and I don't think he's touched. Maybe you're right there, but he's he gets a you see that speed kind of breaking away again. There was no need for the hold on that play. Where was uh, they called on a they called on Walter Yates? If you're watching along with us, I think it may be uh, right there. The guy's at about the 25 yard line, Mike. I think that's Yates. Um, so if anyone can see my cursor on the screen there, I think that's that's Yates there. So I think that's what they called the hold on. I don't know if it was prior to the him getting into camera view or not. All right, well, I mean, you, you blew it, the kids. First touchdown, you got to buy him lunch or something. You got to, you, you can't uh, just let that go. Yeah. And then, well, we, we'd been calling for a special teams touchdown and we got one later on in the game. We actually got our, our special teams touchdown on a punt block, right? But we had been calling for that electric return game. You know, is that something UCF is going to be able to pull off this year? We finally got that. Um, you know, I guess we had two technically in this game, although one doesn't really count overall. My special teams, another one I almost added to my list here today, wasn't a wasn't a pretty sight. Uh, obviously, a punt block. We saw that happen last year with Navy. Um, Gus seemed to put that more on Andrew Osteen, not not hurrying up a little bit. 
Um, you had the penalties overall. Barsky missing a field goal. Special teams is probably the one unit that that really kind of drags some stuff down. You know, again, I, I get when you get a punt block for a touchdown, that's you know that makes things a little bit easier. But special teams, uh, an area of focus, hopefully this week. Well, they answered one of the sunny prop questions already. Will we have a, a special teams touchdown? And the answer is yes. I think I voted no on that just to yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't blame um, Good, good to see there. And what about the other one? Tight end receptions. We have some bets going on on that one, right? I think there was four tight end receptions in this first game. I believe Gamble had three and Marsh Wojan with another. Yeah. And two of them were touchdowns. So uh, what did we set the over under at 35? I think we had it at 30. 30. All right. So off to a decent start last year. It, it took us a while to get to four receptions, I think, out of the tight ends. Yeah. Well, those are our categories, Mike. Those are the things that uh, that we liked about the game, obviously. But we're not done yet. Uh, we'll, we'll do one last thing here as we recap the game. There's a lot of things going on. Mike and I are watching a lot of football, a lot of TVs, a lot of things happening. We have notes. We have thoughts. We have ideas. We have suggestions. We have no place to put them. So we have UCF observations. These are just kind of whimsical, quick things that Mike and I noticed during a game, things that kind of pop to our mind uh, that have something to do with the game, Mike. So let's go, uh, let's go uh, alternating style here on some UCF observations. What do you got? All right. Well, after months of quarterback debates, mm-hmm. uniform reveals, mm-hmm. 85 watch lists that have about 85 players on them, Fair. more conference realignment talk, mm. finally, after how many days? Football something, yeah. is back, baby. UCF back. football is back. I told you last week I didn't pay attention to those other games that – the Nebraska Northwestern. Who cares? Neither did Nebraska. UCF apparently, football is finally back. It was good to be back. It was definitely good to, to have a game and have multiple games this weekend. Nice weekend of football. You had games Thursday, really nothing Friday. Some interesting games Saturday. A hell of a game Sunday night. Uh, Monday last night's game wasn't very exciting, but you had some good uh, good football. Mike, here's my first observation: Isaiah Bowser looks skinnier. I think, he, I think he lost. I don't know if it's the new the New Jersey, but he looked a little slimmer. Um, Andrew Glukov, I was on with the uh, the Banneret guys on their live watch along. Andrew Glukov looked up, said last year he was listed at 225, this year 220. He looked noticeably thinner to me. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's the yoga. Maybe he's been doing a lot of stretching. Maybe he just looks longer because he, he stretched out an inch or so here and there. So fair. Okay. Maybe. But I think let's, let's watch the, the, whatever he's on, by the way, I got to get on that diet program. looks like he looks great. I'm not yeah. doing yoga and Pilates. Though. I'll, I'll pop a hammy just thinking about that. I think the flexibility will help with his injuries though. So can you do yoga Pilates? Is that you? No, I mean, I've tried basic yoga, like five, 10 minute videos. I mean, yeah. I, you know what I do every year? I say, I'm going to do it. Like Me too. Yeah. I'm going to do it 10 minutes a night. That's it. Yeah. And it lasts about a week and then I never do it. Yeah, same. I always find like yoga for for beginners or Pilates for beginners on YouTube, and I'm like, all right, everybody, I'm, I get the mat out in the house. I'm sitting down, and my shoes are off. I feel all good, and I'm like one hamstring stretch. I'm like, ah, right, this is stupid. Yeah, like, uh, I can't really. Uh, I mean, the people that do it are impressive. I can't do it. I don't trust me. There's some strong people. I mean, that, you, it takes a lot of core strength to be able to do yoga and Pilates. So That's right. hats off to you. Uh, the first stop on the Sons of UCF tailgate tour. A rousing success in Fort Lauderdale. I had a great time down there, back in their old stomping grounds at the Den, formerly Public House. Um, had a great. I met some people that I've, I've hung out with before. I had a group of friends that came out and meet with me. I met some new people. I met some people. This one girl told me she had just listened to our show for the first time that day. Wow, that was pretty fun. That was cool. 
Richard Causey, former UCF Knight player, had a couple shots with him, a couple of tequila shots, had a good time. He says he's going to be at our party this week. Uh, take that for what you want. I, I think I think he shows up. Okay. Uh, he took my number and all that stuff. So I got a new uh, buddy there in Rashad. Um, overall, great time. Great, great time. And wow. I can see how this place is going to be rocking for the big games. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be at the Louisville game, but that place this mm-hmm. Friday night, I'm sure, is going to be going nuts. How many uh, celebrity sightings did did, uh, did people have around you? How many people are like, "Hey, you're UCF Mike." How many over under? Give me. If I set the over under four and a half, where are we at? <laughs> including the the eight people that I knew that were already there. <laughs> not including. <laughs> let's 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 not include those people. I'd say under. Nobody actually really okay. came up to me and said, "Hey, you're the guy from the podcast." But mm. a couple of people did say once somebody found out it was I was the guy from the podcast. Said, oh yeah, I do listen to you guys. Oh yeah. Okay. So, okay. There there were a few of those. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Mike, the uh, the the punter uh, from South Carolina State, uh, he he made a lot of uh, a lot of headlines. Uh, he made a lot of news. Uh, you know, obviously punting uh, like fifteen some odd yards past the line of scrimmage. What is his name? Really quickly, his name is Dyson Roberts. Um, but here's my thing: like, if you're gonna be wrong, be big wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because here's the thing: he did that, and like I sat there for a second, I was like, wait, is that legal? You can't like it, I've never seen that before. So I, I had I took a second, like, you can't do that, right? Like there's something about that doesn't feel right. And then obviously it took a minute and they were like, Hey, you can't do that. But for for a moment there, I was like, damn it, we should have gotten that one until I realized it wasn't legal. Because I've never seen that. Yeah, I think all the refs and I think the coaches were confused. And I don't whatever penalty they said it was, I don't think you would have got an argument at any coach because I don't think any coach knew it. They're like, Oh yeah, five yards from the spot of the kick. Yeah, sure, sounds right. Okay. <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody's seen so, it. It's funny. So me, me and my buddies uh, back when I was living in South Florida uh, the first time, uh, we'd get together watching NFL football. We used to have a contest around who could do like the referee calls, right? So someone would be like, "Hey, Mike, it's your turn. Uh, call, you know, clipping on the offense, right? And could you do the signals and everything?" This guy came up with like legal kicking, and I don't know if that's a penalty. Like I think he just like put his knee out and an arm up. <laughs> I don't know if that's legal. I, I I think he made that up on the spot. <laughs> Who's gonna call him out on it? Probably. And by the way, that ref was jacked. He was. Yeah. <laughs> he was huge. He was. Well, he, he he threw ten flags. He had he had plenty of time to get his arms worked out. Uh, JRP can scoot. Ah, <laughs> yes, he can. He can yeah, scoot. And uh, so can O'Keefe. And we already talked about the tackle that they, they made on that play. But man, those guys are fast. To cross it off my list here, uh, Kobe Hudson, Mike MIA, uh, not 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 pictured. Zero receptions. I don't know if I, if he had a target. He did have one of the false start penalties. He was a name that we were uh, watching closely. Kobe Hudson, MIA. Curious if uh, if that changes uh, against Louisville. Yeah, that was a little mysterious there. Um, give it time. You know, maybe there's only one football. So many guys. Everybody else kind of got spread around nicely. I think like three catches for a bunch of guys. Maybe one or two with five. So uh, he was the leading receiver at Auburn. He's not a he's not a slouch. He is the number two receiver here for a reason. Uh, let's see what he does this week against Louisville. Okay, Gus. Either has a lot of money on the on covering 43 and a half, or he's just trying to give me an ulcer by keeping Plumley and Bowser in in the fourth quarter. I couldn't explain it. I I thought for sure he was gonna they were gonna be out, you know, maybe at, at, at the end of the half. When he came back in for the third quarter, I said, Okay, you know, you know, you have those games like the NFL has that third preseason game where you, you play the first half, you go in, you rest, you come back out, you start the third quarter. Fine. We didn't score right away. Okay, give him another drive. By the time we get to the fourth quarter, I was about to rip my hair out. I couldn't believe those guys were still in the game. 
All right. Uh, honor system for everybody out there listening or watching. How many of you knew who Zach Marsh Wojan was? When they threw the ball to 85 in the end zone, how many of you knew who that was? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. <laughs> I know the name. I've heard the name before. I had no idea what number he was or what he really even looks like. Uh, I don't know what he looks like. Get it helping on. But cool story, though, because he's from California. It sounds like his family flew in to watch this game. I suspect Gus knew that, and uh, it was cool to see them work out an opportunity to get him. His first career t- uh, catch turns into a touchdown. Uh, so uh, hats off to Zach Mars Rogen. But if you knew who that was, and if you need proof, Mike, you can go back and watch the uh, Banneret Watch Along Party. As soon as he caught it, I think it was I think it was Stat Boy Drew was like, who is that? And your boy was like, that's Zach Mark Rogen. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So I get, I get to raise my hand on that one. There you go. That's something to be proud of. Victory lap. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> in my life. Carry on. Uh, am I up? You're up. I'm up. I think it's you. Yeah. Um, I think we can come to an agreement with Cincinnati and East Carolina. When we play these teams, no kickers allowed. And I think they'd go along with it because mm-hmm. those two schools had a rough go. We think we had a bad one with Obarski. East Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A missed the game was on point. that kid's foot. Oh, and then the miss. Yeah, the missed extra point. I believe the laces were in. <laughs> we all Easy know that example. story with, with uh, what's the guy's name? Damn, Ray Finkel. Ray Finkel. Laces <laughs> <laughs> out, man. And then uh, a chance to redeem himself as time expires and misses that one too. Cincinnati, their kicker missed a couple kicks themselves. I think we could just play a straight up game, four downs, right? Hard four, you want to case? No punting, no kicking. Let's just see men being men versus men. See who wins. Kicking or sticking, buddy. I think I think, I think we can <laughs> I think we can figure that one out, Mike. Um, a nice performance for UCF again. A fifty-six ten win, Mike. Fifty-six points in the opener got me thinking. What's the most amount of points we've ever scored in a home opener or any opener? I'm glad you asked, Mike. Top five scoring totals in opening games. Are you prepared? Yeah, I there's think more than I five, by the way. So think about what you think number one is, because it actually surprised me. It took me a minute on this one. Number five, we put up 49 at Georgia Tech in 2020. That's the fifth highest scoring offensive production in uh, in an opening game. Number four, three-way tie, 56 points, 2012 versus Akron, 2018 versus UConn, and obviously 2022 versus South Carolina State. Number three, 61 FIU 2017, the start of that uh, undefeated season. Mike, number two. I know number two then. 62 points. Charleston, Charleston Southern. Southern and FAMU 2019. All right. And number one, 64 points, Louisiana Tech 1998. That is the most points UCF has scored in an opening game. Wow. That La Tech game, that was not at home? That was at home? That was our first game that we ever went to? It might have been, yes. Yeah, I think it was at home. So then that was our first ever game, I think. 64 points. So we should have remembered that, maybe, but probably not. Remember zero <laughs> I remember about that game. Zero pro- about that properly. Um, There's no way we could remember that game. Because, yeah. uh, you know, as first games as students, we're doing some drinking. If you remember it properly, you should remember that game. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't remember the second half of this week's game. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I was going shots of Causey at the bar. I noticed yeah. all your stuff was first half related to, and then the show so far, which is fantastic. Second half is a blur. That happens. Worth it. Oh, here we go. The cows. Oh, the cows. The cows. The cows. They had a uh, weather delay, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
you know, what BYU, you know what they did in their weather delay? They relaxed, took it easy, you know, wait till they, you know, they give us that 30 minute warning. We'll start warming up again. The cows, they had a DJ playing in the locker room and it was mm -hmm. a nonstop party for two and a half hours. And when yeah. the game started, I think their legs were <laughs> a little bit shot there. Very first play of the game from scrimmage, touchdown BYU. And that concludes our cow <laughs> coverage for the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just keeps getting worse yeah. for these guys. 28 nothing by the end of the first quarter. I don't know what you're using for Cow of the Week. They handed out 2019 souvenir cups again this year, which is fantastic. Uh, Jeff Scott was like, gee, I thought we'd play better <laughs> in his press conference, which is great. There's talk of a mutiny or people are there's some sort of a mutiny on the team. Like uh, the cows are imploding in front of us. Uh, it is always good to see Mike. Uh, Brian Blackman picked a bad week to have his unit have a bad game. Mike, I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Brian Blackman picked a bit of a bad week. Uh, I know he's going to rebound. But bad, bad week yeah, to, to have a, a rough game. This Love guy that. has to really be like the best coach on the staff. If, if, with the other stuff surrounding him right now, he needs his unit to play as perfect as possible. And they didn't help his case at all this first week. Yeah. Uh, death, taxes, the cows getting sodomized on opening night. These are <laughs> things we can always count on. I was like, I don't know if I had some kind of magic powers. Because I was switching around. That game was supposed to start at 4. It didn't start till like 6.30. It, so after they were getting destroyed, I wasn't really focusing on them. But every time I switched back to the Cal game, they were down another touchdown. Every time. It, it was like I had some magic wand in my hand. It, I never wanted it to end. I, I switched back. fourteen. <laughs> might not, actually. I switched back 21 nothing. I switched back 28 nothing. One time. I switched back. They had only kicked the field goal. I, I almost threw my remote out the window. What's going on here? I'm mm. starting to lose my touch. But yeah. man, <laughs> that was great. That, that, that was great. I, I loved it. Every second of it. My Gus said that he's ha he's having Riker Casey handle kickoff duties to try to preserve Daniel Obarski's leg. I have an idea. Why don't we try Colton Boomer having field goals to further arrest Obarski's leg? You know, let's keep him really, really fresh just in case we need him. So Riker can handle the kickoffs, keep his leg fresh. Colton handle the field goals, keep his leg even fresher. This Casey, he didn't kick any kickoffs out of bounds. So we know he can keep it within, you know, well, how far wide is it? 55 <laughs> yards, whatever it is. I mean, let's kick the goalpost. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Let's give it's it a, a shot. It's, it's a low bar. He had nine kickoffs, eight touchbacks. Obviously, he's got the uh, he's got the he's got the boom, if you will. I mean, Obarski wasn't even kicking him in bounds for years. This guy's already got that on him. Let's see if he can kick him inside the uprights. I'm done with mm -hmm. Obarski. Yeah, fair enough. Um, did you watch the uh, Florida Utah game? I did. I saw some of that. Yeah. Did you see the kid that was puking his brains out on the field? I did. Yeah. <laughs> on the sidelines. Yeah. Oh my God, that was. Disgusting, disgusting and hilarious at the same time. I couldn't stop laughing. But I here's the problem. problem: someone's gonna land in that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like later on, <laughs> someone's gonna get tackled and get be like, "What the?" And it's. I mean, I'm sure there's grosser things that you deal with on a football field, and perhaps you and I just aren't manly enough to to handle some of those. But that's my biggest fear: is if I was running for a touchdown and someone's gonna tackle me, I may run away from the puke. Okay, even so if it cost get, me a few yards. <laughs> forget the touchdown. It was like midfield. So you get the ball at the forty, right? And they hand you hand the ball off. You're supposed to go off tackle. Uh-uh, that's yeah. where the puke is. No, yes. Going around. Put know. that thing inside. I'm doing whatever I got to do. Yeah, I'm <laughs> taking a knee. Like, I'm doing everything I can to avoid that spot of the field. Absolutely. <laughs> you raise your hand. Coach, you just called the play to run through the puke. I'm not doing that. 
So yeah. um, if I'm on defense, I'm pulling a stunt. I'm not even bothering. <laughs> if that's not the play call, I'm still stunting up. I'm doing whatever I got to do. Yeah. But I couldn't tell this kid puking. Was it because of the humidity or is it just because of the stench from that pig farm on Archer road? That's thinks up all of Gainesville. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Still determined. Probably a little of the above. It was all red. So I, I, I assume it was like red Gatorade would be my guess. So probably all the above. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it looked, it looked hot and, and poor uh, Kyle Whittingham shirt was, was soaked uh, from uh, when he walked out there. And for some reason, Billy Napier had a windbreaker on. So welcome to Florida. I'm not going to lie to you, Mike. You know, the player on South Carolina state I was most uh, uh, scared of was the punter. <laughs> he had a nice fourth down conversion. He could have run that other one for fourth down. He actually was the, every time he went to punt, I was like, Oh my God, please don't do it. Like, I was actually most concerned about the punter the entire game. Yeah, was he their leading rusher? I mean, how many yards did he have on the ground? <laughs> I don't know. They only had question. 35 yards on the ground. That first fourth down conversion, the, the fake, he, he must've got like 15. Right? So he and, has, he was the leader in average. Uh, 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 Tyrese, Nick, it's probably not correct the way they did that in the, in the box score here. He had six for 28 yards. Uh, Roberts had one for six. Hmm. Kendra Flowers, their starting uh, running back, had eight for 10. So the punter was four yards away from uh, from actually. If he had just fallen down as, as, as instead of kicking ball, he actually might be the leading rusher on the team. Yeah, exactly. So those 12 yeah. yards that he ran past the line of scrimmage don't count. Yeah. He got called back. Yeah. So, uh, I mean – I think he was their best weapon. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on uh, Dyson Roberts throughout the rest of the year and see how many, uh, how many times he pulls this off again. Ray Guy Award, maybe? Finalist? Book it. Shoe in. <laughs> uh, I'm out of observations. I've, we've got a bunch of other uh, games to talk about, I guess. I got I got one left here. Can we all agree at this point, Gary Townsend, punt returner? Yes. Love you, Devon Wilson. You, you did admirable. Um, your nice interception. Mike talked about earlier. But can we all agree that this is this is probably our guy? This this is probably the guy we should have. Can, are we all on the same page here? We are until he okay. has that one freshman mistake that sure. cost us something. Remember, JJ Wharton was a great punt returner too for years. His freshman year at BYU, muffed punt turns into the the game winning touchdown. There may be a moment like that. Doesn't mean he's not going to be the a star punt returner for the next four years. Just don't yep. lose your mind if it happens. Well, it's that it's the Johnny Richardson moment, right? It was 2020 when he was kickoff returns. I think he fumbled against Tulsa, the, the second half kickoff. And uh, we, I don't think we saw him the rest of the year after that. So certainly there could be an opportunity. But the electricity he brought, I think we can all agree, this is probably our guy. Maybe if it's one of those, it's really, really concerning. You put Devad back there just to put his arm in the air and catch it if you're concerned about that. But um, this kid's electric, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> who knows he may be the next in line of great return guys that we've had here so and it's been a few years now so we need one oh you got more games you want to talk about you got you got more on your list there i don't have anything written okay. down here but there were some other great games that that saturday man i was on the couch for 12 hours and even going wow, back that, to friday like you i know but i had it all planned out i told you my daughter had a couple friends over so they were just playing in the room they were in the pool they weren't bothering me. I wasn't able to go out because we couldn't leave them alone or anything. My wife left me alone for the majority of the day. About 6.30, she went in the room. I had the rest of the night just hanging out on the couch. Friday night, there were some good games. That old Dominion uh, Virginia Tech game, I was into that one. That was good. <laughs> wow. Who are you? I know. I know. Is your remote control <laughs> broken? You didn't want to get up and switch the TV? What happened? Yeah. Uh, I, I got into some prize picks at, at some point on Saturday. Mm. I figured I needed to make a bet there. That yeah, talk about that, yeah. Me, but, um, uh, yeah, great day on Saturday. I, that 12 o'clock window, that East Carolina NC State game was was fantastic. I was really locked into that one. 
Um, the Cincinnati game I was very into. The Cal game I loved. The Gator game was a great game. As If they would have lost, which Utah, give them credit, they played very well. But if they would have lost that game, it would have been a perfect Saturday. All the teams yeah. I hated lost, some in heartbreaking fashion, and the Cows just getting destroyed. It would have been perfect. So, uh, And then the Florida State game Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness <laughs> brian kelly my goodness <laughs> my goodness oh, i don't know if florida state won as much as lsu lost like i think that i mean that that's just mike norvell has got to be the luckiest man alive right now because if he loses that one um things are probably downhill for him in a hurry and I, utah actually probably should have won that game that was a terrible throw by cam rising in the end zone um try to fit in that small window he's still a time on the clock you throw that thing out of bounds if you don't have your receiver there utah probably could have won that game and they got stranded in the airport for like 17 hours after that too. So oh, they no. couldn't even leave Gainesville for a while. So that sucked for them. That's what happens when you go to these podunk towns. This is why I don't want to visit any of these places in the big 12. Gainesville is just right up there with them. It is right up there with them. Mike, but it was a fantastic Saturday. We got more to talk about here, but before we take our break, let's talk about home field apparel, Mike home field, home field apparel.com. They're comfortable t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, vintage logos, designs. They're made by college football fans. For college football fans, homefieldapparel.com. Maybe you want to get some new gear. Again, a lot of games coming up. You're going to be tailgating with us. You might need two shirts because it's going to be hot outside. So maybe you wear one shirt to the tailgate. You change it to your home field apparel shirt, and then you go watch the game, right? So you may need a couple shirts. You know the humidity. You know the rain. You want to be prepared. You want to have a few shirts on deck and ready to go. Homefieldapparel.com can help you uh, take care of that. You can go to their website. You can search by any college you want. I don't know why you wouldn't look for UCF, but if for some reason you got like a girlfriend or somebody you want to take care of, that's fine too. Uh, Suns 12, Mike will get you 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. We'll be handing out some Suns of UCF shirts. They're nice shirts, Mike, but Homefield Apparel, they got the goods, buddy. 15% off if you use Suns 12. Get your get your gear right. You know, there's no excuse. Quality shirts these guys make. Very nice fabric. Everything about them is, is great, and you, you can't beat the discount. So I don't know what you guys are waiting for. If you haven't checked it out yet, go do it right now. Homefieldapparel.com. Suns 12 gets you 15% off. Coming up, we will uh, we'll give you a little bit of uh, what's going to happen this week. Talk to Gus Malzahn a little bit, and then we'll get Mike's picks in a few. So don't go anywhere. We're brought to you by Gordon and Partners. This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn, and you should listen to the sons of UCF like your hair is on fire. Go Knights and charge on. We are back at it, Mike. Before we get into translator and headlines, happy to have a, a new old sponsor on the show, if that makes any sense. When you and I first started this gig out, uh, there was one guy who was like, you know what? I'll give these kids a chance. I'll throw some advertising in there, and uh, I'll believe in these guys. And that was Drew Bellani and the good friends at Urban Nooks, Mike. The cool thing about what Drew has done with Urban Nooks is they've branched out. They've got a bunch of different uh, folks that work for them now, including to UCF alum. So they want to get back involved with us. We were super happy to have them back on board, but this time with a twist. So we're going to introduce you to, to Aaron and Noah. They are two UCF alums. And they're going to help us each week, Mike, with a new segment. We're going to call Take It to the House, again, powered by Urban Nooks. They're going to make a prediction on what they think is going to happen in the upcoming game, Mike. And you and I will grade whether or not we think their prediction is plausible. So let me introduce you to our good friends at, uh, at Urban Nooks, and you can hear their, uh, their guests at Take It to the House. Hey, Night Nation. Hey, Sons of UCF. This is Aaron. Noah. All right, and today we're bringing you the Take It to the House moment of the week, sponsored and powered by Urban Nooks. Today, we got Isaiah Bowser, 
breaking not only two, but three tackles, running down the right sideline for 45 yards, leading for a night touchdown. Knights will be up 20 to seven at the end of the second quarter. Isaiah Bowser is going to be a beast this season. He's in his senior year, and I got nothing but good expectations for the kid. Speaking of Urban Nooks, we are your fellow Knights, and we want to help you regarding any real estate questions, interest rates, buying, selling, anything through the process, investing. You call us. It's 561-283-5293. We dominate the industry like UCF is going to dominate the season. So let us know. We'll help you out from one night to the other. Charge on. Knights, charge on. These guys are ready to dominate, Mike. They dominate the industry, uh, but did they dominate this pick? So they have Bowser with a long run, putting UCF up 20-7 to at the end of the second quarter. Again, obviously, we, we know Louisville did not play fantastic, Mike. That is their call for Ticket to the House. What do you think? Do you have, uh, you know, grade, grade their call, A, B, C, D, F. Where you at? Ooh, I like their enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give them a B for creativity, but I don't know if, what was Bowser's longest run of the year last year? Did he get anything over 40? I can't really remember anything that yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the way they drew it up, yeah, he's going to have to break a couple of tackles. That's possible, depending on how the defense is set up. He breaks one or two. They said three tackles and then goes that way. It's kind of like Kevin Smith down the right sideline in the championship game against Tulsa. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'll take it up going up 20 to seven in the second quarter for sure. But I don't know if I see that happen. Yeah, I think, you know, to make that happen, Bowser's going to have to start through the middle, then maybe kind of, you know, veer off to the right and head down the sideline. I don't think he's taking some sort of a toss sweep play, right? So, you know, he can break a few tackles. I'd love to see it happen. I think the running game is going to be an important part about what UCF has to do against Louisville. So I'll give it a B. I think there's a probability with, with Bowser running, breaking tackles. Those three things typically line up pretty well, Mike. So we will see if that works out again. Make sure that uh, if you need something real estate wise, you heard Aaron and Noah, they dominate the industry. Uh, give those kids a call. Um, they're, they're fellow Knights. They're going to give you some good sound advice, Mike. Um, that's the one thing I love about this, by the way, some of the stuff we're doing uh, with sponsors and, and partnerships. These are fellow Knights. These are people you can trust. These are people who walk the same hallways you walk, went to the same dorms that you went to, ate at the same places you ate. These people understand you and they're going to understand your needs. So again, give Urban Nooks a buzz if you need something, Mike. Let's get into Gus Malzahn Translator now, Mike. I pulled some clips of Gus in his press conference and here's what we'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll play the clip and then uh, you're going to tell me if you think uh, what Gus really meant to say with the clip Mike. So here's the first one. This is on our uh, on our special teams particularly on our our, our punting uh, this past week. Yeah, well we got to protect the punter. You know, the punt block was really the thing that stood out. You know, we did block a punt for a touchdown too. That was that was really good. Um, you know, but I think we had a few penalties on the in the kicking game. We had a couple of really good returns. O'Keefe got near the 50-yard line I think twice and we had two of them get called back. Obviously, we had the punt return that was electric uh, that was called back. Um, so, you know, the penalties and protecting the punter really is the, the number one thing. All right, so Gus not happy with special teams. Mike, what did he really mean to say? If this crap keeps up for another week, I'm going to file my own lawsuit against Brian Blackman <laughs> for <laughs> shitty coaching. How's that? This thing needs to get fixed now. Call Gordon and Partners, by the way, if you need help with that suit. <laughs> Man, I mean, you can't have a punt block. Remember, that that's the big thing that happened to us against Navy last year. And all here we are again, week one, and it's happening again. And then all these flags on, on the returns. We take a, t- a touchdown off the board. Missed field goal. Special teams, not so special. Like, I didn't want to say this out loud, Mike, but um, 
Andrew Osteen did not have the best game. He had that that slow punt that Gus is kind of kind of blaming a little bit on that. Uh, he had he had two punts, one um, you know one right in the end zone for a touchback uh, where he could have pinned him inside the uh, inside the twenty. Uh, only averaged forty six yards a kick. He didn't have the best game. We didn't we didn't really need him to do a whole lot, but we're going to need him at some point in time. He's had a couple of shankopotamuses over time. I think this is something to watch. We have that Australian kid who's like 75 years old, uh, Mitch McCarthy. Um, Australians, I assume, can punt because we always think that they can. So maybe maybe both special teams, guys. Situation to monitor? I don't know. Hot seat. Look, right now, you're playing the guy. You just keep playing the guy that is going to get the job done. And if these guys are not getting the job done, next guy up, let's see if they, what they can do. Can it be worse? I, I don't know if it can even be, be worse in some situations. I would try to top your joke of suing uh, Gus filing suit, but I don't think I can do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna punt on this one myself, and I'll go to the next one. My Gus was asked a little bit about uh, John Rice Plumley's performance. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, that was his first time, you know, playing really a full game in what two years, and so there's nothing like being out there. And and uh, there's a couple things he'd like to have back, but it's very important to him. He's really uh, football savvy. He's a smart guy, and so. Uh, you know, uh, each game, I think you'll see him improve. Uh, Gus's thoughts on John Rice Plumley. What did he really? I told you guys. <laughs> I told you guys this guy can run. He can throw too. Did you see those passes? He threw a nice couple of nice touchdowns. He hit O'Keefe with a, a nice bomb there. And he's faster than anybody else on this team. Maybe there's maybe one guy or two that maybe can, can keep up with him. But this guy is a speedster. And I was right when I was evaluating uh, in the offseason, I could tell which plays this kid was going to break, and it was going to be a whole bunch of them. You're going to see a lot more of it this year. Yeah, just toss in. Uh, have you seen my old line? And I think that's exactly what, what Gus was saying. I told you so. Uh, and I like how he threw in there essentially like, and he hasn't really played. So basically saying, okay, this is this is just his first time without really a whole lot of experience. I think he's setting this up to say he thinks that, that – um, you know, JRP can play better. I said this on a one, I know, I'm on a million shows. I said this on one show that I was on, like um, every, every coach has the ego to think that they can develop the quarterback, right? Every coach thinks that I can take this guy and I can fix this guy. I think Gus has a little bit of that in him with, with JRP. He didn't pan out at Ole Miss. He only got one year, got moved to receiver. I can fix this guy. I can make him work in my system. I can make him a great quarterback. And my offensive line is not good anyway, so I need him. So I think that's I think that's Gus's stance on JRP. Now, let's see what happens at Louisville, and we'll play that clip back next week and see if Gus is still in the same spot. But I think you're absolutely right. It was like, told y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and he's right for week one. And long way to go. Long way to go. All right. This is it. My Gus was asked about Daniel Lobarski. Here's what he said. Well, I mean, you know, the clock, you would like it where he could slow down and set his feet. But, you know, we work, you know, that situation. It wasn't like it was like desperate run down to one. And, you know, I mean, we'd like to make that. He knows that. And he's a really good kicker. And I think he'll have a good year. <laughs> Mike, that's what Gus physically said. And what, uh, what did he really mean? Did you see how I kept a straight face when I said he's a really good kicker? <laughs> Nobody here could do that. I'm the only one that could pull that one off. Um this kid's on his last legs right now. I mean, this was a, a true test for him. That, that one field goal, you know, that's as pressure as it's going to get against South Carolina State, and he couldn't hit it. Um, I, I got to tell you, he's on the hot seat right now, and I've got somebody else in practice that hits two in a row. All of a sudden, I got a new kicker. Every time Gus talks about mistakes or things like that, he always says, we got to correct the errors. We got to clean it up. We got to fix it. We got to get it right. 
I mean, this one, he said he's got to make that kick. And he knows that. Like, you know, JRP throws an interception or Mikey Keene threw an interception last year. It was like, yeah, we got to look at the film. We got to make sure we're making our right read. Like, he typically tries to deflect a little bit, just goes back to coach speak around, clean something up, or look at something. He was flat out like, he's got to make that kick. He knows he's got to make that kick. Oh, but by the way, he's a great kicker. I mean, obviously, that's what you have to say, but I got to think that that Obarski's on a bit of a leash. But how much time? So, what's in all, you know, no, no translator transparency here. What is Gus's next move? So if, if we're playing Louisville and it's, it's, you know, 20 to 19 and, you know, we got to, we got to hit a 38 yarder, you know, to, uh, to win the game. Is he, is Obarski the guy, is he trotting him back out? It, it, I mean, when do you make that switch? One I, more miss? He's gone. I mean, it, do we see Colton Boomer and Riker Casey on Friday? Yeah. I, I made that switch in my brain Thursday <laughs> night, right at halftime. That was it. That to me, if I never see him attempt another field goal, It'd be fine by me because you're going to bring in another kid. I don't know what to expect out of them either. They might not be any better. Can they really be that much worse? I, I don't know. I mean, this kid, uh, he's, he's not good. He's just not good. He's not a kicker. He's not a good kicker. I don't care what Gus just told us. He's not a good kicker. He missed that. That ball didn't hit off the upright. It didn't miss by an inch. Like I told you, it missed by a whole other goalpost. That was bad. That was, it hit the cabana, I think. Yeah. Playing empty seats. Put Riker Casey in there now. Put Colton Booner in there now. Let me see what it looks like. And then I'll, if it's really that bad, then we're in some big trouble. So this has gone from beyond hot seat. He doesn't have a chair in your mind anymore. There's no, there's no place for him to even sit. Not if I was in charge. No. All right. <laughs> you got to earn it. He hasn't earned gotta it. Got to earn it. Got to earn it, baby. All right, last one. Gus was asked about uh, the team and sort of the motivation of playing Louisville. Yeah, I think so, you know, especially from the guys that went through that experience last year. I think you use everything you can to, you know, prepare yourself in college football. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely an important game, you know, for them. All right, Mike, obviously we know what happened last year. Tough game, tough loss. What did Gus really say there? Yeah, we've been waiting for this one. We've been waiting for this game since we left that field. Half our guys didn't even make it. To the, to the bus that day because they were all injured. So we've got this one circled. We're going to light up the, this Louisville team. Now they look like crap against Syracuse. We expect them to play hard against us, but we're going to do even worse to them than what Syracuse just did. Just wait and watch. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. He was really sort of cranky during this press conference. I guess some people thought maybe he was tired. I think I heard, I read someplace he might have been tired. Um, people thought he was cranky during this press conference. He was very short with his answers. I took that to mean like this is a this is a focused Gus Malzahn. He knows the team he's got coming in. Now again, this presser, you know, he already understands that Louisville lost thirty-one to seven to Syracuse, so he knows what he's facing. Um, but it, it seemed like he was focused on this one. I hope that this one's been circled in the office calendar. I hope this is one that him and T will have been talking about all off season. I hope this is one that they can figure out a way to, uh, to unleash uh, a, a good revenge ass whooping on the Cardinals. Um, but I guess we'll see Mike. That is uh, that is translator, but why not, don't wait. We'll tell you what's going to happen. We've got Saturday's headlines today. And if you listen to last week's headlines, Mike, we almost hit on a lot of those. I said something about JRP playing a really good game. That hits. You had Xavier Townsend. I'm taking one back. That that was that, that was a money call on your part. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, the defense and the depth. I think you saw that play out. Um, really, the only one I missed on is Josh Seliscar. Uh, I don't think he really had any uh, any sort of big play. But I think we we nailed a bunch of those last week. So we may be on something here. So let's try this again. Game's on Friday. 
So these are Saturday's headlines today. We're going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Mike, why don't you give us your first headline? Tell us the first thing that's going to happen. Bounce House is not House of Cards. Cards fold to deafening crowd. This is going to be the atmosphere that we've been missing for a while now. We didn't really get to get it last year. Last year, we didn't never really had a, a packed, packed, crazy house, right? That Boise State game delayed everybody. And by the time the game ended at 1 o'clock, there was only a handful of us still there. And then you have the losses to, to Louisville and Navy kind of takes a little juice out of the season. You come back, and the East Carolina crowd was okay. You know, the, the Cal game was pretty good, but it wasn't the levels that we were expected here at, at UCF. It wasn't the 2018 Cincinnati game. It wasn't the championship games in 1718. It wasn't the Black Friday 17 game. We're going to get back to that this week. This crowd is hungry. We're jacked up. It's a Friday night. Blackout, all that stuff. I can't wait. I, I, I'm really looking forward to the start of this game. And I, I'm going to have the same strategy. If we win the toss, I want to kick, right? Give them the ball first. Put the defense on the field first. I think the defense may be the strongest part of this team. Get out there. Get the crowd involved early like we did against Cincinnati. Maybe draw a couple penalties, false starts, and really get the crowd participating in this game from the very beginning. I will say, Mike, if you go to uh, Ticketmaster, still a handful of seats available for this one. A, a pretty a pretty good number of seats. So hopefully those get uh, uh, snatched up. I don't know you know, if those are resales uh, from folks who maybe are out of town. I don't know if that's uh, Louisville returning some of their allotment, but there still looks like there's a healthy number of tickets on that secondary market. Now it's a Friday night game. You never know what the weather is going to be in Orlando, but I hope we get to one of those Stanford style crowds, right? Where you've got a full house, you've got everybody yelling and screaming. Night games are always a little bit more fun, right? You can have a little bit more fun because, uh, you know, it's dark. You can scream your head off. I know you don't get as much tailgating time on this one, but I, I really hope we have a good crowd here. I'm, if you look at the resale market, you know, I was surprised to, to see what's still available right now. Yeah, uh, but you won't even notice it once the, the game kicks off. Uh, the place is going to be full. It's going to be packed. Um, you still got five hours to tailgate. That's, that's I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not complaining. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. We're ready to roll. But for I know Friday and weekday games can be tough for people, I guess. But I mean, I, I hope we get what it was at 44 was what was announced against uh, um, South Carolina State. Um, I mean, we've we've got to we've got to beat that, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a sellout. Once the game kicks off, whatever tickets are out there now will be gone by then. People kind of wait for the last minute bargains and all that. So um, we'll see. But I, I'm pretty excited about this crowd. I think it's going to be the loudest thing we've heard, probably going back to that Stanford game in 19. 43810 is what UCF put on the official record. So we've got to get at least 44 plus, in my opinion, for this one. Mike, all right, here's my first headline Cardinals go to barbershop. Knights D-tackle wreaks havoc along the line. I'm talking about Ricky Barber, Mike. Last year, you remember he got injured pretty early in this game, was was out for most of the season uh, after that one. Um, we learned this week in the press conference, and we knew this last year, he's from Louisville. He started his career, at, I think it was Western Kentucky is where he was at prior to this. Um, so he knows a lot of these kids. He's probably been waiting an entire year for this game, you know, especially last year being at in his hometown, in his home city, you know, trying to, to play in front of his friends and family, didn't get a chance to. Now he's got that revenge tour. He's a big, large human being. We know that. Uh, we know Louisville 
Eagle likes to run the football. We know Lee Cunningham's going to do some of that, you know, mesh play stuff where you got to do the read option. I think Ricky Barber's got a chip on the shoulder. He was mentioned this week in the press conference as somebody who was really, really kind of hungry for this game too. So I'm going to roll the dice. It didn't work out with Celestar last week. I'm going to roll the dice this year or this week, rather Cardinals go to barbershop. I think Ricky Barber has a big game, makes a couple of key tackles for a loss. I'd love to see a sack in there too. Yeah. You mentioned he's from Louisville. He's got to have some relatives, some friends, I'm sure that are big time Louisville fans. And he's probably hearing it from them. He's probably getting text messages all week about this game. Uh, He's got this one circled more than anybody on this team. I'm sure. And he's due for a big one. He's got to come up big and he's got to stop the run. That, if we're going to win this game, it's because we stopped the run and, and controlled their, their quarterback and control the run game. And he's had a whole year to think about not being able to play, you know, in this game last year, getting injured. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure he, uh, he he's ready to roll, Mike. That's one thing that we got to think about. Louisville, there was a lot of conversation last year. A, that the field was was bad, but B, a lot of low hits. Hopefully we, we get a clean game here. Um, and hopefully Ricky Barber can uh, can wreak some havoc along the line, Mike. What's your second uh, predictive headline here? Knights handle son of Randall Cunningham kept in check. This is the key to the game. I mean, we saw what this guy did to us last year. Did Syracuse come up with a blueprint that we can just copy from last week? Because he didn't seem to do anything against them. I don't think he he rushed for very many yards. They only scored one touchdown in the whole night, so. Whatever they did, we got to be able to, to, to match. Um, I would think our de- talent on defense is just as good, if not better, than what Syracuse showed them the other night. Now, Louisville is going to come out a little bit different team. They're going to come out with their backs against the wall a little bit, having just gone through that. But a short week for them. Our guys are nice and rested. We had a Thursday night game. We were able to rest guys in the fourth quarter. We're at home. We have every advantage to shut this kid down. And that's exactly what I think this team's going to do. First of all, is he really the son of Randall Cunningham? Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. I, I guess that's just a fun fact I, I was not uh, I was not aware of. So uh, maybe we, we want to research that one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't great against uh, Syracuse, 16 of 22. Uh, he threw two INTs. Last year, Mike, where he killed us was on the run game, uh, 13 runs for 49 yards. Um, you know, only a long of 14. He broke off a couple of big ones against us last year. I mean, the whole offense looks stagnant. I don't know what Syracuse did specifically. Uh, I do know in the presser uh, from Louisville today, their head coach, Scott Satterfield, said that they needed to go with more tempo. They didn't run as much tempo against uh, against Syracuse. He felt like they needed to, to get more tempo. When they finally did get to more more tempo on offense, that's when they were able to uh, to move the ball a little bit better. So I imagine that means we're going to see a little bit more hurry up, a little bit more to, no huddle. Um, so hopefully our, our guys are prepared for that, Mike. But look, we've got the speed. Last year, here's the challenge. We had Montalvo, I think, on the outside at one point, you know, in this game, right? Last year, I think I've talked about that pretty much every show since then. Um, we've got the speed all around to be able to hopefully, you know, stick with this guy. Um, you know, last year, you know, maybe we didn't have that with Montalvo, with Bryson Armstrong. We've got the speed, hopefully, to, to be able to contain this guy. I hope there's something in the game film that Gus sees that can, can keep this kid in check because he killed us last year. Hopefully, T. Will's been circling this one on the calendar. Um, but I'd, I, So I'd love to see either Randall Cunningham's real son or not real son uh, not play well this week. I'm Googling it now as we speak. Somebody told me he was Randall's son last year. <laughs> I always believed it. I'm looking up. Randall's uh, Wikipedia, he's got a son named Randall Cunningham Jr. He's got uh, Vashti Cunningham and Christian Cunningham. Not seeing Malik Cunningham on here. Nothing on Malik's page either, so maybe I'm wrong. But 
reminds me of Randall Cunningham and the way he played against us last year. And Randall Cunningham was a bitch, man. I hated that guy. He killed us at, with the Giants when he was with the Eagles. So um, maybe he's not his son. Maybe he's a nephew, maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's some relation. Who knows? Well, here's a, there's a Bleacher Report article um, talking about uh, talking about it, but it's not uh, it's not Malik Cunningham. <laughs> okay. Well, take it all back. But the headline still works. I mean, <laughs> okay. it, it, just because he's not the Randall Cunningham's son, doesn't sure. mean his dad's name is not Randall. That's fair. Who's and it doesn't mean he doesn't play like Randall Cunningham because he certainly looked like Randall Cunningham <laughs> last year. Hopefully, we make him look a little bit more pedestrian this year, Mike. All right, my second uh, headline Plum lead. Late TD run helps propel Knights to victory. Look, I think this game is going to be a little closer than other people do. I think we're looking at the 31 7 and saying we're going to embarrass these guys. I think it's still going to be a tough contest. I think it's going to be a, a tough ball game. I, I'm not going to take that and just assume that they're a bad team just yet. Um, I saw too much of them last year. They have a lot of guys returning. So I'm not going to, you know, put this in the bank as a, you know, a 45 to three type of a game. I think it is going to be closer than, uh, than we probably want or expect. But I think that's where this year we have a, a different kind of offense, a different, uh, different style than they saw last year, right? They, they were able to slow down our offense last year because we were trying to throw the ball a ton. Um, and they were able to jam receivers and, you know, injuries piling up. Obviously, you know, Dylan Gabriel was not really a threat to run. Uh, so I think it's a whole new offensive system. I think that gives them some trouble. But I think we, we I think it's it hangs around. I think it's a close game, maybe a seven, seven, you know, 10 style point game at some point. And I think our boy JRP gets a late touchdown run to seal the deal. So I'm going to go plum lead with a late TD run, maybe early fourth quarter that really kind of puts the, uh, the nail on the coffin. I mean, that'd be nice. That kind of, uh, Reminds me of the 2011 game against Boston College. Remember that one? It was a close game. It was like nine to three going into the fourth quarter. And then we poured it on, scored three touchdowns there with uh, Godfrey running over Keekley in the end zone. And I, this game gives me that similar vibe heading into it. Maybe it's going to be close for three quarters. And then Plumlee comes in in the fourth and really puts things away. Yeah, maybe the heat, the humidity, conditions, you know, all that stuff plays a factor as well. I mean, these guys, you know, we got an extra day of rest than they got, right? So they, they didn't get home till till Sunday, holiday day on Monday. You know, did they do any practice, any walkthrough? You know, we had basically all weekend to sit around and hopefully prepare. So hopefully we're with a fresher team. Hopefully we're the more conditioned team. Hopefully we can handle the elements better. Uh, I think it's close, but uh, I'm going to go with a late Plumlee touchdown. Like, all right, your final headline. Challenge accepted. UCF flexes power five muscle accepted with the ACC there. You see what I did there? It's very uh -huh. clever. Mm -hmm. Very clever. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I mean, they don't look like a great team coming off last week, but this is one of the games on the schedule before the season started where we circle it and say, hey, this is a chance for us to make a statement. An ACC team coming to Orlando. We have two of them. We have this one and Georgia Tech in a couple of weeks. Show them that. UCF is ready to make this move to the Big 12, that we are that much better than these other teams in the ACC. The ACC has been down for years now. I mean, it's been Clemson and everybody else. And I don't think there's another team in that conference that we are scared of. We, we beat the crap out of Pitt when they came to Orlando a few years ago. I expect maybe they're doing the same type of beating to these guys and really set the tone for the, the rest of the season. Pop quiz. We are 5-20 all time against teams that are now currently ACC. Can you name those five victories? All right. Boston college. I just told you one. That's correct. Right? Yes. Louisville's another. That's correct. Um, Pitt. I just said. That's correct. That's three. 
Let's see. Now you got me thinking for a second. I got to scratch my head here. Okay. <laughs> scratch um, the old dome you got there. We've never played, I don't believe, Wake Forest or Duke or North Carolina has gotten hurricaned out a couple of times. We've never beat Florida State or Miami. Uh, Virginia Tech we've lost to a couple of times. We've never beat them. Virginia, I don't even remember playing them. There's two more teams here, you're saying, huh? Maryland. Is, wait, Maryland's a Big Ten team now. Yeah. Get with so it. that doesn't count. Um, did I go through every team in the Time's up, Johnny. <laughs> NC State. Oh, NC State. And Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. How did I not? <laughs> Five and 20 all time against ACC. Mike, to me, this is going to come down to uh, what we learned last week against Syracuse. And if we can do the same, they had two guys who gained over 100 yards on the ground. Tucker had 102, and some guy named Gallagher or no, Schrager, their quarterback, had 105, right? So if we can have a good rushing attack, and obviously they give up a bunch of yards um, to Syracuse, that's our bread and butter. Hopefully there's opportunity for us to, to make plays there too and flex that power five muscle, get that sixth victory against an ACC team uh, and and solidify, you know, obviously that that we, you know, clearly belong in that sort of power five group. Not that we need that anyway, Mike, but uh, five and 20 all time. All right. Not great, but you know, a lot of those wins came recently. A lot of those, all five of those wins came in the last what, uh, fifteen years. So, was it? NC yeah, State well, I guess NC State was oh seven, right? Was seven, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pitt Boston was, was eleven. Pitt, Pitt was, was a few 18. years ago. Uh, BC was eleven, yeah. So, so oh seven was the first one in North Carolina State. Right, and we were probably like oh and thirteen before we even got that first win. So, um, yeah. And another good thing about keeping the run game going is going to keep Malik Cunningham off the field too. So it, it works both ways. I think that's going to be a big key to the game. All right. My final headline, Churchill downed UCF's defense comes up with big stop to preserve the win. I just said, I think Plumlee is going to hopefully get a touchdown that put us up. I think we're going to need the defense to make a, a big stop at some point, kill the momentum. Again, maybe they drive a little bit. Maybe they've got like a, a third and short, a fourth and short. I think the defense is going to come up with a big play at the, at the key time, something that fourth quarter, that's a turnover. If that's a stop on downs, I think the offense will kind of do their part, but I think, you know, Malik Cunningham is, 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 as a guy who can make something out of nothing, uh, and uh, I think our defense will stymie that, Mike. So Churchill downed UCF defense comes up with big stop to preserve the win. Anytime we have one of these big, classic, thrilling games at home, it seems like the defense has to be on the field at the very end. Everybody remembers Mike Hughes returning the kick for a touchdown. Don't forget, we still needed a, a fumble there by Wilcox to, to ice the game. Uh, the interception by Trey Neal in the championship game. Even in the uh, Peach Bowl, you got Collier with an interception. The defense is going to find its way back on the field. Uh, the 2013 game against the Cows, you know, Jordan Ozerites with the interception to seal it. That seems to be the way that these games usually end. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does come down that, to that. All right, give me your final score prediction. What's the UCF Mike official? Um, or you're actually doing that a second. Maybe we don't want to. I don't want to tease that. Then you've got yeah. uh, you got it's something coming up here. Yeah, you had something come up in the pick, so we'll we'll save uh, we'll save that prediction uh, for the next segment, Mike. But again, a big one, bounce house. People get out there if you're available to get to the game. Get to the game should be a great atmosphere. Again, Mike and I and Trace and the whole Suns UCF family will be uh, will be out at the tailgate leading up to the game. So we'll get you pumped and ready to to roll into the stadium, all fired up, and hopefully we come out with a victory, Mike. Let's uh, let's pause here. Let's get our stuff together. We'll get uh, we'll get uh, ready for the uh, most fun segment of the week. That's Mike's picks. 
It's going to come up here in just one second here. We are the Sons of UCF. We're brought to you by our good friends at Gordon and Partners. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer, and in my spare time when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on. All right, welcome back, everybody. Glad you uh, could rejoin us after that little uh, little hiatus there, Mike. Uh, it's time for the most fun uh, part of the week. This is Mike's picks. Mike goes through games that have some sort of an AAC tie-in, and uh, we'll tell you who's going to win. But before we get to that, Mike, don't forget, we're not working with prize, um, prize picks. They are a, an app you can download from the App Store, either Google Play and or uh, iTunes. Uh, and when you download this app, uh, you, you make a deposit. If you use our promo, our promo code SUNS12, they will match 100% of that deposit up to $100. So if you put 100 in, they put 100 in. Guess how much you have? That's right, 200. And really what this is, it's like a daily fantasy. You go through and they give you over-unders. They give you fantasy-style points on various categories. And it's simple. You get to you get to put whatever you know confidence you have in that pick and either the over or the under. Uh, you get two, and, and, and there's, there's opportunity for, for triple and quadruple and even 10 times uh, the, the winnings, depending upon how many picks you want to make, Mike. Super simple, super easy to use. The app is really user-friendly. Uh, every sport that you want there. So if you want to get your college football action, they're great. NFL starts this weekend. You can check through some of those as well. They're running a promo right now for Tom Brady uh, over uh, 0.5 yards. So you can actually get that action right now on prize picks, Mike. And they have some UCF stuff. So I'm going to run through. I, I did not do well. I, I went over two of my prize picks this week. I was going to do a second pick, but uh, forgot to do that. Uh, so I lost both my Hendon Hooker over on yardage and my Ryan O'Keefe touchdown reception. So I am not doing well. So I'm going to need everyone's help out here. Here's some options in front of you, Mike. You tell me which of these you think are uh, are feasible. Here we go. You can get John Rice Plumley over under 259 and a half passing yards. Ooh, that seems high. That seems high to me too. I was thinking under there. Right. I mean, we didn't expect him to throw for 308 last week either, but you figure Louisville tougher defense and probably more dependent on the run game this week. I would say under. Okay. Well, here are some, here are some ones that caught my eye. You can get JRP 59 and a half rushing yards. I like the over in that one. I think he's going to break a few, maybe a couple design runs, but also at the same time, just scrambling away from pressure that comes in. We saw, we talked about the offensive line. He breaks out. He breaks one for 30 yards. All of a sudden, you're halfway there. Okay. Are you feeling dangerous enough then? So you want, if you take the over on JRP, are you going to take the over Isaiah Bowser 72 and a half? Would you take both overs on both those guys rushing yards in a, uh, in a, in a two pick um, situation? I think I would. Uh, 72 and a half does not seem that outrageous for a Bowser in a game like this where we think Gus is going to feed him. 30 to 35 times. This is one of those games like Boise State last year, like the Gators at the end of the year. Uh, if he's going to be saving Bowser's carries, it's not going to be in this game. He'll save his carries maybe against FAU the following week. Uh, but I expect him to be the bell cow running back that we always expect him to be this week. Okay, keep in mind, Syracuse is starting running back at 102. Their starting quarterback had 105. So there is precedent for that, Mike. The only other action you can get UCF related, Javon Baker 69 and a half rushing yards. I'm sorry, receiving yards over or under. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, give me under just because that seems like a lot. Of, I think we're going to be spreading the ball around. If he's getting that many, then how much is O'Keefe getting? I think I, this could be a big O'Keefe game. 
you know, he, we've seen what he's, he's done. Not, he's not an option right now on price picks. We'll see if that, if that changes. All right. So I, I figure we're going to get him on end of rounds. You're going to get a lot of touches for O'Keefe this week. But Baker looked good in week one. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the under. But if you made me pick, I, I'd take it, I guess. Malik Cunningham, 200, uh, 209 and a half pass yards over under. That seems low, especially if you're thinking that UCF is going to be up in this game and then, you know, they're going to have to throw a lot more. Um, I'd say he comes late and they were down a a ton versus Syracuse. He only threw for 152. All right. Well then I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just throwing out options here. Would you take this action? Dylan Gabriel, 270.5 passing yards. They're playing Kent state. Yeah. He's going to go over. He's going to have a big one, like over 300 yards. How many did he have this first week? I don't think he got to 300, right? Um, let me check and see here. Uh, da, 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 da. they played what UTEP, um, 233. All right. I'd see them trying to pad his stats a little bit more. They want to do some kind of Heisman push as they were talking early in the year. He's got to throw for over 300 against, uh, whatever team they're playing this week. All right. So those are some prize pick options out there. I think, I think I might agree with Mike. I think I'm definitely in on the Bowser 70, whatever, 77 and a half, whatever I said. I think I'm definitely in on that over. I got to think about the JRP. I think about it. I think both those guys are going to be able to, to make that happen. Or do I maybe go with the Dylan gear? I hate to do it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's free money out there, right? So go to prize picks again, download the app. Uh, Suns 12 will get you to pause match. It's a lot of fun. Look, you're watching these games anyway, right? You're always going to be watching UCF. You're going to be rooting for UCF. You, you, you know, Bowser is going to get the ball a ton. You might as well put a little bit of this deposit situation on there and, and have some fun with it along the way. Right. Why, why not? You're out. Nothing. Again, Suns 12, nice little promo code match for you there. Uh, download the app. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Like you went, you went a second time. You went two rounds this, this past week. How did, uh, how that fare for you? Yeah, I lost my uh, pick that I told you I was going to go with last week. The uh, West Virginia pit game. I picked both quarterbacks to throw an interception. One of them did. One of them did not. So lost my money there. Then I was around on the couch that Saturday watching all these games. I said, man, I haven't really put a bet on anything. Same time the Yankees were about to start playing. I was like, you know, let me mix it up. Let's do a little Yankees crossover college football bet. Um <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I remember at this point at six o'clock, I was a few beers in. I wanted my bet to be over early. So win or lose, I wanted to know right away. So I bet um, the pitcher for the the Rays, Kluber, to have two strikeouts in the first two innings, which in the first inning he had one strikeout. All I needed was one more in the second inning. I don't even know if he got it because my other bet was the starting pitcher of the Yankees to throw over 15 pitches in the first inning, and he only threw about eight or nine. So I lost my bet right away in the first inning and it went away. But you know what I do like about prize picks? These are parlays. So I I made three bets. It was those two. And I had Cam Rising throwing for over 210 yards, whatever it was. If you want to set it up, you don't actually have to hit all three. You could hit two out of three and still win some money. They give you that option. Now, if you choose that option, you obviously don't win as much if you win, but still a nice little uh, way to change up the bet. Yeah, again, a lot of good entries, uh, a lot of good props out there. So uh, make sure you have some fun with us. Download the app uh, and, uh, you know, see how you do. Let us know. Let us know how you're doing. We'll let you know how we're doing. 
um see us at the tailgate tell us if you if you've uh if you've had any success let us know we'll give you a free i, I think i actually said if, if someone can show me a, a a win i will hand out free t-shirts i don't know if i get any of those so i don't know if that means you all lost so sorry to uh to hear that mike but that's the prize picks portion of the uh of the proceedings now we get down to mike's picks what mike does is he goes through aac games he finds some matchups he likes he tells you who's gonna win who's gonna lose uh it's your show my friend what's your first uh what's your first game Hold on. First, we got to recap last week because ding, 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 ding. Oh, boy. No, Get the Sorry. chalk. Somebody went 3 and 0 last week. Mm. That somebody is me. That's right. 3 and 0. They were easy wins, too. Now, I didn't have to sweat any of them out. I had Duke covering 6.5 against Temple. They won that game by 30. I had East Carolina covering 10.5 against NC State. Once that game got down to crunch time, the last eight minutes, there was almost no way, unless there was a turnover the other way, that I was going to lose that one. Covered that. They only lost the game by one. And I had SMU covering 10.5 against North Texas. Blew them out. Clean sweep, 3-0 and to start off the season. Can't beat that. You can't beat that with a stick, right? Now, the pool tracker, not as good. I got those three right. I got maybe one or two other ones. but uh yeah. You are 98th place uh, with six. I am not much better. I'm at 87th place with uh, with seven. I don't know if Trace ever got in here. I don't see his name as I'm scrolling through here. Stapright Drew has seven as well. So uh, actually, Sanchez is eight. He's number 40. So Trace right. is leading uh, right now. The top, the lead dog, Cade, whoever that is, with 11. And then uh, Kay Hedden also tie with 11. J Blow 38387 has 10. Joe Knight has 10. CH CFB Home has 10. And Valley Nars also has 10. So I remember J Blow doing well last year, too. I remember saying that name a few times. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so I think you just uh, want to say that name. I mean, I'm only a couple of points back. If I didn't pick against UConn both times, I'd have eight wins right now, too. UConn's really uh, hurt me so far this year. Um, right, well, what do you got this week? Where are here we, we go. We got three more winners this week. Game number one, Old Dominion at East Carolina. The Pirates giving up 12 and a half points. Pirates lead the all-time series six to three with one tie, including three and oh against Old Dominion since they've come back. Did you know Old Dominion started playing football in 2009? But they were actually playing football back in like the 1920s. And they were called West uh, William and Mary, actually. And then they ended up not playing football for, I don't know, 80 years and finally came back here recently. So that's where that all-time record comes from. But 3-0 and since they've come back in 2009, East Carolina is. And the Pirates got to be licking their wounds after that heartbreaking loss against NC State. I mean, talk about a tough way to lose a ball game. That was Those people got to be devastated. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you got Old Dominion that came off a thrilling victory on Friday night against Virginia Tech. So you got two teams, complete opposite ends of the spectrum last week, meeting here um, in Greenville. Houghton is still throwing interceptions <laughs> left and right, this guy. Um, he is what he is. You know, he's got some, some nice plays in him, but at the same time, you can't really trust him. Um, East Carolina needs to get back on track now. They, they're about to hit a soft spot of their schedule. Old Dominion, which is not a bad team, but then after that, you got Campbell, and Navy at home before they go visit the cows. So they can get on a nice little roll here, win four or five games before they play us in October. The Monarchs offense did not look that great last week against West uh, Virginia Tech, 
Um, you know, they didn't score until the very end of the game there. And the Pirates defense looked really good in, in, in parts of the game against uh, NC State. Some couple goal line stands. But I think 12 and a half is just too much for me. Give me Old Dominion to cover and keep it close. Isn't Daryl Mack go to Old Dominion? He doesn't. He doesn't play. And I don't know why. Start the Mack. Guy, the guy that was playing quarterback for them last week wasn't great. He played good in the fourth quarter, but that whole game, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. They, the one touchdown they had going into the fourth quarter was a blocked field goal that they ran back like 70 yards. So um, I don't know why Mac is not an option. He he scored five touchdowns, no, six touchdowns in one game for us in the championship game against Memphis. Um, I don't know what's going on there. Start Mac. Yeah, I, look, I thought ECU um, obviously should have and could have won the NC State game. Um but I don't know how much of that was, you know, them playing really well or, or EC or NC State not playing well. They have a pretty decent defense. I mean, we saw what they did to us last year. You know, they kept uh, they kept NC State largely in check. Devin, Devin Leary is one of those, you know, top 10 rated quarterbacks in all of college football. Um, but 12 and a half is a lot. I don't know if their offense can keep up. ODU is, you know, I don't know what they have. I don't know what you're going to get week to week, but that just feels like a lot of points to rely on Holton Aylers. Um, so I think I think I agree with you on this one. Yeah, Old Dominion impressed me a little bit there at, at the end of that game. So I, Who I knew Mike was your go-to for Old Dominion football coverage. <laughs> what, what a time to be alive. That was I said this the other night. Old Dominion is undefeated in games I've watched them play because that was the first time. <laughs> so I, I didn't know they were called the Monarchs even as I was watching that game until I was making the picks today. I, I figured out that their name was the Monarchs. They got a cool little logo. I like that. Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. all right. Not bad. All right, so Mike's on ODU. What's up next? Game number two, Houston at Texas Tech. Houston is getting two and a half points here on the road. Um, Houston leads the all-time series 18-14 to 14 with one tie. But Texas Tech has dominated the series recently, winning nine of the last ten going back to 1991. So only one win for the Cougars here in the last 30-plus years. Cougars coming off a thriller against the Roadrunners of UTSA. We were beep, beep. talking about that game last week. I thought they were, they should beat those guys by more. I, maybe I didn't, wasn't giving uh, San Antonio enough credit. It looked like a pretty uh, solid team there. They're on the road again, two weeks in a row, on the road, in state. Maybe their schedule is not as soft as, as we always thought. I mean, we kept saying that they don't play Cincinnati and they don't play UCF. Turns out San Antonio is not bad. Texas Tech's not that bad either. They're coming in with a new head coach, Joey McGuire. They put 63 points on Murray State in week one. Murray. They did lose their quarterback. Hmm. They did lose their starting quarterback. Tyler Show went down in the first quarter of that game. Backup, uh, Donovan Smith came in, four touchdowns on the board. Smith came in last year to, to replace Show, who got hurt during the season too. So he does have experience, but – he is not the main guy, and it looks like he's going to have to start this game against Houston. Clayton Toon, three touchdowns in the air, one rushing last week. Um, I expect him now to get into a little bit of a rhythm. The game is in Lubbock, 4 o'clock, but I think Houston goes in there, gets things straightened out now after a, a tough game week one, goes on the road, and wins this one outright. Give me the two and a half points just in case, but give me the Cougars to cover. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this game because he, I mean, a UTSA is a is a good team. They're they were a really good team last year. Um, it was in San Antonio. It's in a dome. It's an interesting environment. Um, 
so I, I knew I actually I think I picked that one correctly. I think I had UTSA um, on that one. Um, so I don't know what to make of Houston yet. They have a ton of athletes. Texas Tech, obviously, to your point, they didn't really play anybody good, but now they have a, a uh, obviously a quarterback situation here. I still may lean Texas Tech just because it's at home. And at some point, I just figure Holgerson's going to do a Holgerson and not win the big one. So I'm going to go Texas Tech on this one. Just to, I'll, I'll go counter here. I'll go T Tech. I have no reason why. Uh, maybe I just want to see him get hit in the head with tor- a tortilla or something. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go Tech. I think they figure a way out of it. Um, and I think Houston stubs their toe. And I do think they have an e- they have an easy conference schedule. All this out of conference stuff doesn't really matter. I mean, if they go undefeated in the American, they're still playing in the championship game. So, yeah, they have a tough, uh, tough task here in week one and week two, but their conference schedule a little bit easier. So, let me, let me Texas, let me go Texas Tech. All right. So, uh, finally, you disagree with me here on one. Um, yeah. Good thing. Plus, I need, I need Houston. I think they're still ranked 25, right? So, I, I need them, I need them out of the way. I need, I need them to clear a path for us to be the highest ranked program and kind of get in there. So, uh, I'll go. I'll go Texas Tech. I don't feel great about it, but what the heck? Yeah, but it'd be nice. Actually, Houston being ranked would be fine until we play them. Then we just got to beat them, and then we'll, we'll jump play them until until the last game of the year if we get to that point. Right. So that's right. So, all right, you ready for game number three? I've never been more ready. The big one, the one we've been waiting for, Louisville at UCF. The Knights minus six and a half. We know how we rolled in the opener against South Carolina State. And we talked about Louisville getting destroyed at Syracuse. I don't. I didn't see that coming. Did anybody see that coming? Syracuse, I didn't think was a good football team, and they had their way with the Cardinals last week. They are now coming off a short week. That was a late night game on Saturday. Coming in on a Friday night to Orlando, a raucous crowd that we've already talked about. They're walking into a buzzsaw here, my friends. I, I don't think this is good news for the Cardinals. Um, prime time game. It's the only game of the night. There's a, there's a game on CBS Sports, uh, Boise State, New Mexico. That doesn't count. And then I think it kicks off like 9, 9.30. So this is the game that everybody's going to be watching, ESPN2. Do we have the Malik Cunningham blueprint? Did Syracuse show us exactly what we need to do? T-Will, Malzahn, they're in the, in the office right now watching that film. They know exactly what we need to do to contain this Cunningham kid. And this is the game last year that – sent our season into a completely different trajectory, right? All the injuries. We ended up the very next week losing the Navy. This year, this is the game that catapults us. This is the game like we had against Maryland in 2017, where we end up beating up those guys 38 to 10. And then we've talked to a bunch of players from that season. A lot of them said that day they knew, hey, this team could do something special. This may be that game for us, this uh, version of the Knights. I think we go on a run here from here. Um, JRP gets it done on the ground, heavy dose of Bowser. And I told you, this is like that Boston college game, in 2011, maybe close for a half, maybe two, but I think in the fourth quarter, we pour it on these guys. The humidity gets to them. They're worn out and we blow this thing for open in the fourth quarter. Final score, UCF 37, Louisville 13, book it Knights cover six and a half. First thing I've always been bothered by the Louisville mascot. Uh, Cardinals don't have teeth, <laughs> so that, that's always that's always annoyed me. Uh, yeah, I think again, I think this one will be a little bit closer uh, throughout. Um, I think you know, to your point, Louisville will will probably have a little egg on their face having in Syracuse. 
you know, they're going to be motivated to come in here. They know they beat us last year, but we're a completely different offensive team than we were last year. Last year, they were facing a team in Gus Malzahn and Dylan Gabriel that were, we were trying to throw the football a little bit, you know, Bowser, our, our, our really uh, biggest running threat at that point went out. We had a bunch of younger unproven backs, uh, you know, guys who weren't healthy. Uh, and so I think our offense completely sputtered throughout. This is a completely different offense. Uh, you know, it's not, I don't think it's the same as Syracuse, but you look at what Syracuse did to them with, with the rushing attack, both in the quarterback position and uh, in the running back role. Obviously that's, those are stats. I think we can replicate um, Mike, the offensive line is really going to be where it's at. Can we block enough to get, you know, open, open running lanes for Bowser, for Johnny, you know, can, can JRP, you know, do the zone read with perfection and pick up some of those chunk plays. And then when, when we need to make a throw, can we make the throw? We saw him do it against South Carolina State. I have no reason to suspect he can't do it again. But like Gus told us, this is new to him. He's never done this kind of stuff before, too. So I think it's a little closer than than what you have. I think it's a 7 to 10 to 13 point win for the Knights. But I, I'm easily happy to, to give the 6.5 up on this one. I think it's a little closer, but I do think UCF, uh, you can give that 6.5 away. I've got another trend here for those of you that are going to put some money on this game. When a team loses game one, as an away favorite, like Louisville was last week, and then they're on the road again for game number two, one, 12, and one against the spread. That's 7%, 7.7% that team covers. That's not a good wow. time for Louisville. So I, I know it's a little uh, bit of a stretch there for the trends, but hey, it, it seems to work. One, 12, and one. Where'd you get that research from? That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. Somebody texted it to me today. <laughs> As we were doing the show about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> All right. That's uh, okay. I think I can figure out who that might be. All right. So uh, so Mike is on uh, Old Dominion. He's on Houston. And he's on UCF. Those are his picks. Uh, again, if you're in the prize picks, you're only uh, a week down. You can still get in there and have some fun. Or I'm sorry, pool tracker. Week down, get in and have some fun. But prize picks, you can get in whenever you want. You can get some action today, tomorrow. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a lot of football coming up, so you can get involved in that as well. And uh, and those are Mike's picks. Check back next week. Let's see if he was right. Let's see where he was wrong. Trust me, if he's right, you're going to hear all about it. So you're going to want to join us next week to figure that out, Mike. Let's take a little break here. What do you think? You're, you you've did, you did a lot of research there. I know you probably need a you know quick minute to uh, uh, you know keep yourself healthy, keep yourself well over there. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back with Cal of the Week. We'll wrap up the show this week. Uh, don't go anywhere. We are the Sons of UCF. And you know who we're brought to you by, Mike? Gordon and Partners. That's right. Okay, Sons of UCF. Both of you. You are the it's time, Mike, to go over Cow of the Week. Again, we find something or somebody that uh, we think is doing something idiotic or foolish or something we want to make fun of or something we just don't agree with. Uh, it's a staple of the program, Mike. Brought to you by our friends at Poor Choice. If you're going to do Cow, you're going to do Poor Choice. But going to Poor Choice actually is not a Poor Choice, Mike. 50 taps, one place, endless possibilities. 1225 Mills Avenue. That's where you're going to want to go. Drew and those guys do a great job. They may or may not be a part of the tailgate. Just throwing that out there if you're thinking about heading out to meet us on Friday night, Mike. But enough about the tailgate. Who is your cow of the week? Well, sometimes it's one of our own. <laughs> this oh, happens every is it though? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is. And it's not, not going to be Obarski. I already got enough out of Obarski in this episode. So it's not him. But just now, as we went to break before this segment, after the pick segment, you alerted me that one of our guys, Terrence Lewis, is now entering the transfer portal. 
Yes, the same five-star Terrence Lewis that we all went crazy about transferring over from Maryland a couple months ago. This guy, one, had an off-season issue here with an arrest for some domestic violence issues. Is that the reason he wasn't starting the first game? He wasn't on the depth chart. Well, depth chart came out now for week two game against Louisville. He's not on the depth chart again. So here he is. He sees that, and he's out. He's just said, any school that wants to contact me, feel free. I'm about to join the portal. Which, first of all, can they contact him until he's actually in the portal? I I don't think so, probably. So any school, don't contact him until he actually gets in. But this kid, is he just uh, one of these kids that says, hey, I was a five-star, so I should be starting and not actually have to earn it in practice and on the field? Does he want things handed to him? Um, to me, this is cow behavior. You don't get your way. You're not on the depth chart for the first game. Work your way back and prove to everybody that you should be on the field. And if you are that good, the coaches will put you on the field. I guarantee it. Their job is on the line. They're not putting players out there that are not as good as you because they don't like you. If you're not playing, it's because you're not showing them that you should deserve to play. And this kid, again, he's going to transfer again. That's going to be two years in a row of a transfer. He's going to be another one of the – what was that guy's – that quarterback that transferred? Tate Martell. Transferred about 800 times. This is going to be him until he finds a spot that's going to hand them a starting job and most likely will probably do nothing with it. So Terrence Lewis, we hardly knew you once a night, always a night. I mean, you were here for five minutes. Um, I, I never even seen you make a tackle. I've never seen you play a down of football. No. You won't be missed. Yeah, and well, to your point, uh, so the NCAA actually just instituted transfer windows. So he actually can't transfer officially now until the window opens up in December. So in theory, he can be in the portal. I don't know if coaches can contact him directly. I I don't think they can. I'm sure there's ways around that. There's always a a ways around everything. Uh, But you're right, Mike. We don't, he didn't uh, appear on the participation report that UCF put out. So it does not appear he played in the game. Was it a, a disciplinary reason? Who knows? Uh, he is recovering from an injury. So is he still not not maybe up to speed and healthy? Who knows? Um, and in terms of the depth chart, I don't think UCF made any changes. I think if I remember last year, we don't think we updated that thing for a long time. I think, you know, Gabriel still listed as a QB1 for two or three games after his injury. So, you know, perhaps he, he did more in practice this week or, or not. But it certainly sounds like he's feeling like he's not getting an opportunity. I think that was one of his follow-up tweets is, I just want an opportunity to play. Sounds like for whatever reason, he's not getting that now. Um, he's also a kid, Mike. So if I woke up tomorrow and all this was deleted and uh, he's on the roster again, I would not be surprised about that either. But definitely a kid with a lot of promise, a lot of talent. Um, just hasn't been able to get on the field yet. So um, we'll see. Maybe cooler heads will prevail. Or will prevail. Maybe he'll have a chance to talk to T-Will or Gus or whoever, um, you know, and, and calm down, talk to some friends and family. But, uh, yeah, college football 2022, right? I mean, you you're not on the depth chart after after game two. You can get out of here now. The windows make it harder because now you got to wait till December. Um, he used his one time free transfer, I think, coming to UCF, so he may have to sit. I'm not sure what that would be. So he's got a bit of a a road in front of him. Um, you know, in some respects you might say to yourself, you know, two, one of two things: either pull an Eric Gilliard, play your four games, and then say, "Hey, I'm done. I'm, I want to preserve a year so I can I can go elsewhere." But Gilliard still had a free year to transfer, so that's a bit of a difference there. Um, or play the year out, get, get some reps, get some practice film, do all that stuff, and then leave at the end of the year. You're, if you're leaving in December anyway, you might as well at least try to make some plays, try to get better, try to use the weight equipment, try to learn another year of football so you go someplace else. Walking away now, 
you know, I assume you lose all that luxury. You're not going to go to practice. You're not going to be training with the team. So it makes you wonder, you know, could you, could you better serve yourself getting a, a year of practice, a year of, of just more reps under your belt to go to your next school? But what do I know? Yeah, it makes no sense. If he can't end up on another team next week or next month, what is the point? You know, go out there and and make some plays in an actual game. This is a guy coming off injury. He's got to prove to teams that he's healthy. Why wouldn't he just come here? And if you wanted after a few games and still say, yeah, I want to enter the portal and you want a red shirt, then fine. Do that. But to do this now after a, a one game and you're not on the depth chart for game two, it, it just seems like not the wisest decision. Yeah. And again, this, this is, you know, he's a, he's a kid, Mike, you and I probably did some dumb stuff and we were kids, right. Said some stuff you didn't want to say, you want to take back. Maybe he sleeps on it. Maybe he hears from somebody tomorrow and this becomes a delete situation. That's how things work. Now. Uh, I saw the receiver from LSU deleted LSU out of his social media. Right. Um, so who, who knows? Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. I, I just, it, it's, it's perplexing that you wouldn't say, okay, I don't want to be here, but you know, what do I do right now? Maybe it can take some time and get some, you know, get some counsel from somebody who knows, but I, if I woke up tomorrow and he was on the team again, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. But this just goes back to show you when these kids commit to us, remember, Oh, he's a five star Jordan Johnson. Oh, he's a five star guys. That doesn't mean anything. And this is why I don't get that excited when we get these, uh, commitments and all these signings show it to me on the field and then I get excited. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, you know, battle, right. Fight, you know, you've got, you've got some SCS guys in front of you, you know, you're, you're a five-star player, you know, with talent, like battle it out, like fig- figure it out. And, you know, and, and if that's not what, you know, you want to do, that's not what you want to do. I mean, hopefully he lands in a good spot. I, you know, Maryland was his first school. I think he committed to Miami for a period of time too. So He's definitely had the the gamut of schools, but maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe he'll get on the field. Maybe it'll it all kind of turn into a mistake. Um, but I mean, what we saw in linebacker, we looked okay against South Carolina State. You know, you mentioned Walter Yates the third. Uh, we had uh, um, Johnson started alongside uh, JJB. Um, you know, Braden Jennings, Brandon Jennings got some time too. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how that checks out. But um, Terrence Lewis, I guess once a night, always a night. That's what they say, but I don't know if that's the case here. We'll miss you. All right, Mike. My cow of the week is everybody, all of us, all of us night fans. Can we just do one favor, Mike? Can we just stop fighting each other no. over the stupidest, silliest things? Save your energy to go fight the other teams. <laughs> go trash talk Louisville this week. Go talk some crap to the Gators. Like, go go at Miami fans. We spend more time as a fan base fighting each other over the dumbest stuff, and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, Mike. All week long on our timeline, it was the John Rice Plumley versus Mikey Keene battle, right? Like you don't like this guy. You like this guy. You don't like that guy. They're both wearing the uniform of the school you root for. It's within your best interest to root for that guy, whoever that person is, right? We fight about the song Timo wants to play in the stadium. No one likes this song. Some people love it. Some people hate it. More old music, more new music. No one can get along. We fought about uniforms. Is the font the right? Is the numbers? They're too big. They're not big enough. We fight about it. Now we're fighting about it. If you're in your seat, if you're enjoying other things, if you're not sitting there watching the game intently, we fight about the stupidest stuff my kickoff times shade who can have booze who can't have booze everyone's having booze it's fine it's a party we're all on the same team here i don't understand why we can't just save this this is good 
off-season stuff, right? Like in the off-season, we're all bored. Let's let's you and I are guilty of it. We put out one of those like hot take lists and we 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 get conversation started because we're bored. We have nothing to talk about. So let's have conversation. We have plenty of other shit to do right now. Why are we fighting each other over some of this dumb stuff? Save that energy for Louisville on Friday. Save that energy for Georgia Tech. Bring that down to Boca to rough up FAU. Wait till Cincinnati comes to town. Make sure SMU knows about it. Let's stop fighting each other. We can start fighting each other again in like January, but there should be a moratorium where it's like, cool, man. You like that song? Cool. Great. I don't, but that's fine. Hey, you want to sit? Cool. I don't care. Sit. You want to stand? Even better. You want booze? Drink up all you want. Like, why are we fighting each other? Can we just not fight right now? Can we all just get along? Like, bigger things to do. Let's fight the other team right now. That's my yeah. Catholic. Anybody wants to fight each other over some of the silliest, stupidest, you know, whatever your your position, your hot take is, like, let's just save that for January, please. Or we can you know, encourage it and do one of, the, like we said last year, the fights before the game. We, we, we set up fights last year that never happened, right? Charco was supposed to fight Elo. Who, who else? Brandon was supposed to fight Sharon. All the, all the, let's, let's set it up. We got the we have the uh, the stage right next to us. Our, our tailgate party on Friday night. We'll set up a couple fights. Who wants to fight first? Uh, somebody in the cabana against a non-cabana member, and fight whether he has to, he can allowed to stand during the game. Why not? But this has to be all about Twitter, right? This is where all the the fighting actually happens. Twitter, and I guess maybe in the dungeon too. There's a little fighting here and there. But um, I don't know. People are bored. That's what happens when you have six days off in between games. Or seven days in this case, I guess. Make fun of the cows. That's what they're there for. <laughs> it's easy. Like, tell the Gators they barely beat Utah. Tell Miami, congratulations on beating Bethune Cookman. You know, Florida State, you, 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 you're a, if some guy on the end of the line can block, like, maybe you don't beat LSU. Like, like, make fun of all the other schools that are out there, like, doing stupid stuff. Like, why, why do we got to come after each other for, like, stupid nonsense? Like just just made up stupid nonsense for no other reason, right? I just, I don't understand. We've got, save the energy for other things, man. Jesus. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna, the first fight of the, the week this week is going to be Robert against that guy, Mike, and they're going to fight over whether a hot dog is a sandwich. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. May, well, that's at least something that's like a, <laughs> uh, a thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like people are – it's always so funny, too, because someone will come out with something, and then everyone gets, like, you know, rightfully upset about it, right? And that's, 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 the, that's the intention of putting it out there, right? So people will get upset so you can do that kind of stuff, and people fall for it. Every time, right? Skip Bayless has made like $7 million, made a life off of doing this kind of stuff. And and yet we continue to fight each other. Can we all just get along? Let's just get along. Hot takes, man. Hot takes is what sells. Let's just get along. Uh, scandals and what? what are we selling here? Oh. <laughs> what are we, dungeon members? Like, what are we selling here? I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. That's why Cow of the Week. Too, is another thing, so. All of you. You're all Cow of the Week. Just get along. Be nice to each other. We're all on the same team on this one. Come Friday night, we're all going to be in the bounce house, drinking whatever we want, sitting there, standing wherever we want, wearing whatever shirt we want, under shade, not under shade, rooting for the quarterback, not your favorite quarterback. It's not going to matter when it's the fourth quarter and we're up by three. We're all going to be in the same team yelling and screaming and want Louisville to, to just die right there in the field. Like, why don't we just keep that same energy? I don't get it. Oh, that's too easy. <laughs> Everybody get along. I mean... We've been, we've been hoping for world peace for thousands of years. It's not happening. We can't even get peace in our own locker room, I guess. Well, I guess not. Terrence Lewis, no no peace. No peace in that one. Um, all right, Mike, we got a big one Friday night. I'm excited about this one. Uh, excited to get out to meet everybody, see everybody at the tailgate. 
hang out at the game. Hopefully we got a, a nice crowd again. If you can get there, let's get there. Let's make sure that it's a, to Mike's point, it's a Friday night game. It's the only game in town. Uh, so it's going to be on TV. We want to pack the bounce house, make sure it's a good atmosphere. Uh, we owe Louisville one Mike revenge game. This is, this is the first stop on the 2022 revenge tour is Louisville. And uh, this is the one like to me, this is the one I actually want the most. Of all the revenge tour games we have, this is number one for me for some reason, just because of how badly they beat us last year and then how badly they beat us up last year and how much that changed our entire schedule. This is the one I want the most. Cincinnati's two, but this is this is one for me. Yeah, Cincinnati for me, and even SMU, the way they just manhandled us. This one, it was close. Uh, it came down to the very last play. It was probably the more heartbreaking loss because I when you get beat down the way Cincinnati and SMU did to us, I was by halftime, I was already – uh, resigned to the fact but that we were beat down game. because we lost everybody in the Louisville game. Like if we have those players, how are those two results different? Right? Like that, that's all a direct, you know, direct line right back to Louisville. They must yeah. go down. They must go down hard. Yeah. And that's the reason we lost to Navy the following week for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we owe these guys. This is people call it the rubber match. It's not actually the rubber match. We need this one to be even because mm-hmm. we lost to them back in the eighties. We beat them in 2013. We lost to them last year. This one would make the series two to two. So uh, it's a, a must win game for us. If we have any uh, aspirations, we go into the New Year's six game this year. We got to have this one. Um, we got to put some notches on our resume here early and an impressive win. We can't really just, if we want people to take us seriously, we can't really squeak by with a 23 20 victory in this one. After they just got destroyed by Syracuse last week, we got to beat them by worse than 31 7, I think. We got to put 40 on these guys, and then maybe people will start talking about us. Well, we'll talk about it on Thursday, Mike, on the live show for those who are uh, interested in tuning in. That's eight o'clock. That is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to all those things, by the way. I haven't checked our YouTube channel a while, but we were up over 700 subs, which is awesome. So everybody keep that same energy. We'll get some more videos out this week. Uh, we'll probably take some videos at the tailgates. Uh, maybe we'll put together a bit of a tailgate mashup, Mike. Uh, and then join us Thursday live show. Special guest scheduled to appear at this point. Big name guest will be joining us in the live show. Uh, big announcement also coming in the live show. So you're not going to miss that again Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Me, Mike, Trace, and a host of others. Until then, everybody have a fantastic week. Take care of each other. Stop fighting for crying out loud. Just get along with you people. Go Knights. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.